Wrestling Geeks promo like Dusty Rhodes, baby. Because you like pain, baby. I like pain too, baby. Because I got a fat ass and a bad attitude. So, daddy, just bring it next time, baby. You spooky bitch. Hey, how are you guys doing? That was an intro from Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he just had to come on real quick. Uh, you know, he was having fun in the sky with a lot of great wrestlers just now, but Wanted to come down and embody the great promo that is Anna Jay with the fat ass. And um, I'm not saying she does. I'm, I'm, I'm The promo, like, you know, you, you have different promos from different time periods. The hard times promo. Well, well, Anna Jay has the fat ass and bad attitude. So go buy one of her shirts. Anyways, hope you guys had a great week. It was actually a slower week with wrestling, even though... We do have some stuff to talk about, as always. But I couldn't do the show by myself. Wrestling Geeks Alliance is Dane and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, sir? If you will. <laughs> when you started out with a uh, hello, baby, I thought you were going to do like, hello, my baby, hello, my honey, hello, my ragtime gal. Um, just because we have some uh, WB discovery news. and uh, But outside of that, how, how's your week been, man? What have you been up to? What have you been watching? I have been watching Yellow Jackets. I have been uh, really obsessed with this show since it came out. I said my three favorite shows on within the last couple of years have been Yellow Jackets. Um, I'm waiting for the next season of Squid Games and The Boys. And all of them I thought were very original concepts with very intelligent, uh, I don't know, things to say. Within them, Yellow Jackets, I think might be my favorite, to be honest with you. But wait until we get to the next season of The Boys. I could change my opinion. But it's such an amazing show. So much weird twists and turns. I mean, you got Alive basically meets Lost, in a way. <laughs> um, with all these female actresses also just doing amazing top-notch performances. and Just a really good cast, really good uh, writing, and uh, I appreciate that. So... Uh, other than that, I, I think I'm also waiting for the new season of Euphoria, but I found out that's not coming out for another fucking year. God damn. Yeah, that's so fucking disappointing because I blew through that first uh, the first few seasons. The, is there two seasons of Euphoria or one? I can't remember, but me and two. my wife blew through that shit in one day. And then I was like, okay, when's the next one coming out? And uh, yeah, I read kind of, it's like, oh, it's like a year out. I'm like, fucking great. <laughs> can't wait for that. Um so that always sucks. Maybe it's on me. I should have spread it out more. But the show was so good. I think we just got sucked in on a Friday night, eating, you know, just tons of junk food and watching through that. And it was that's a great show. I absolutely love it. We've also been watching uh, Yellow Jackets. I did not watch the first season, so I picked up this season. My wife's like, you have to go back and watch Chris, the rest. Chris, you got to go back. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I know. That's what I, but people like, don't I'm, need to do stuff like that. You don't watch a second season of a show. Oh, I know. I couldn't. I mean, my wife's watching it live each. Like she's she's like staying up until midnight each wow. <laughs> Thursday to watch it, and then That's she's crazy. watching it again the following day as well. She's been watching each episode like two or three times because it's that kind of show where there's like little hints to other things that's upcoming, and she's like she's really into the clue collecting. Uh, and making determinations and then going on, you know, forums and talking about it. So she's kind of become like a super fan of this show. I like it. I think it's a good show. I will eventually get around to watching the first season, uh, but I haven't yet. And then the uh, the follow up to that is I've been watching Picard. We've been watching that each week as well. That show is fucking phenomenal, uh, especially this last season has been really great. If you're a next gen fan, it is very much just all of the next gen cast brought back together. Uh, with some new characters kind of thrown in there as well, but it's been a really great show. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't want to throw any spoilers out there because uh, there's only one episode left, but that's definitely worth watching. And then outside of wrestling and hockey and those few things that I watched, I've been watching with the wife, uh, 90210, man, I'm on season 10. <laughs> I'm on the very last season. I'm almost done. Jesus. I've been talking about it uh, kind of each week. Uh this last episode, the last few episodes, Kelly Taylor was raped, then shot her rapist when she saw him in public and was acquitted of murder in, uh, as in self-defense, but then was almost charged what? with a gun charge <laughs> uh, because she had borrowed a gun from Dylan, who had picked this gun up illegally, I guess. But she, she's OK now. They're all hanging out. Steve has gotten Janet pregnant. His coworker and uh, kind of girlfriend, they look like they're about to get married. And that's kind of where I'm at in the series for all of the 90210 fans that might also happen to be listening to our show, which has to be a very, very fucking small audience, I would think. But yes, this show's fucking wild, man. (laughs) There's so many. There's been five different people that have some sort of addiction at this point. (laughs) Um, It's great. It's like the like like you were kind of talking about with reality TV. It's kind of something I'd forgotten because my mom used to watch it when I was a kid, and I, I watched it as well, even though I probably shouldn't have been watching it back then. But uh, that was kind of common in the '90s. But you know, it's just one of those things you forget how fucking batshit it is until you go back and watch it. I mean, it's uh, talk about some WWE level drama. That this show has it all. What was her name? Valerie. How, how's uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen on the show? Uh, she's great. She is my favorite character because she is uh, like kind of like I said last week, she's the fucking straw that stirs the drink after Brenda leaves. She is the massive shit starter. Kind of more... different performance from Kelly Kapowski to go on to become Valerie, the evil bitch on 90210. Just love yeah. it. And it's kind of great because she Brenda leaves the show and everyone thought that the show was going to be dead, but they bring Valerie in as a character and she kind of saved the fucking series and she doesn't leave the series until season nine. So she's there for, I want to say four or five seasons as kind of the focal point character. She's involved with every other cast member's storyline. She's like the pivot point. Like I said, the the straw that's stirring the fucking drink of the rest of the cast members in a really great way. She's definitely by far my favorite uh, character 
uh, on the show. But I, I guess that's enough about 90210, unless you yeah, want to yeah, do yeah. a separate separate podcast. No, no, no. We don't through. have to go that much in a deep dive at all. Um, let's see, real quick, uh, movies. Uh, just want to mention this cool concept that I thought was ridiculous, batshit crazy, and then I listened to the podcast of this guy, and apparently... This is one of those rumors, uh, not rumors, but theories that movies are connected, kind of like similar to The Matrix and Terminator. Um, someone said to go back and rewatch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original from 1971 with Gene Wilder, and then afterwards watch Snowpiercer. And I've seen both movies. They're very different movies. But if you watch this connecting tissue, if you've seen both films, and then rewatch the events there is kind of a connection that's very cool made by this fan so look up the theory if you're interested if you like both films i love both films they're both great um but i just love that type of creativity when people kind of fill in the gaps even they do it with wrestling sometimes you know like how the great muda is the son of a great kabuki or or big show with uh, andre you know it's just like not even fan theories, but like little things that kind of like are just cool for dorks to, to, to talk about instead of bitching about everything else constantly. Let's be better dorks, guys. Yeah, all, all that stuff's very I, I love fan theories on things. Um, I get more into it on the video game side of things, like when people try to explain storylines around Nintendo characters. Like the, for instance, the Super Mario universe, the explanations of each of those characters can get kind of fucking wild and they kind of have different takes. But then you have like the creators of the characters come out and they're like, no, that's not it, which is always really hilarious. But yeah, that stuff's always really intriguing. There was one famous one. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's like if uh, if David Lynch directed the Rugrats, have you ever heard <laughs> heard about this? Yeah, with all of them being kind of mental uh, illnesses of, of Angelica, like each one represents a dead baby that or like all of them died or something like that. Like, I, yeah, I've heard this theory, man. That one's uh, pretty fucking dark. But like you said, if David Lynch was doing it, you could see him kind of incorporating that aspect. Yeah, that's one of my more the more fun ones I've read. I, I mean, fun in a dark way, but very interesting. It's a, a very opposite take of what Rugrats actually is. Which Did is... you ever hear the one about, this one's one of my favorites, and no, to my knowledge, no one's asked Michael Bay if there's any credibility to it, but, you know, Michael Bay, you can say what you want about his directing. I think a lot of people, especially 90s babies like myself and Chris, The Rock was a good movie. Uh, and I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson. I'm talking about the movie with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery, and the theory that Sean Connery was put in Alcatraz by the British intelligence, which is kind of summed up because he was the first James Bond, and this was actually the last story of Sean Connery's James Bond getting away after everything. And uh, stuff like that, like I said, it's just kind of fun theories, you know, just stuff they throw out there. There's a lot of stuff uh, that I'm not saying about that theory that connects it. Maybe it's people looking too much into it. Maybe it's just us having fun. I don't know. That one seems like it could actually have some legs to it just because they're so protective over the fucking Bond license. It could have originally be writ been written as a Bond film and then just ended up being its own separate thing. You know what I mean? Like, 
because of how weird they are about the 007 and all the different licensing and companies that have owned the 007 license after uh, those initial films. Okay. That that in itself, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the the documentary they've done kind of about the the lineage of that, but it's it's worth a watch just for like how many people like the original author of the books and how the rights were sold and divvied up and how they've came to be owned now by I can't remember who owns it, but it, it's a it's been a long time since I saw the documentary, but it, it's worth a watch. So there may be some truth to that. I think next I'm off next Friday, Dane, and I think I'm going to go to the movie theater. I haven't been to the movie theater in a long time and go watch this new Super Mario Brothers movie. And then I'm going to check out, because you brought up Nicolas Cage, probably that Renfield flick. <laughs> Which, Renfield uh, looks awesome. I love that scene in the trailer where they make it, uh, Nicolas Cage look just like Christopher Lee's Dracula, like the same exact pose and everything. That's pretty fucking cool. It's that and just hilarious. To, when we talk about tie-ins, you, you know, we had Last Kiss <laughs> with Nick Cage, and now he's he's finally gonna get to be an actual vampire as opposed to I'm a vampire. <laughs> so, uh, I think next weekend fun. I got a new movie. I was actually looking at the. That's funny that you said going to the theaters next weekend. I do want to see the Mario movie. I heard that if you're a big fan of the whole series, Super Smash Brothers, Nintendo in general, you'll love it very much like Wreck It Ralph. And I've heard other stuff I don't really give a shit about. Um, I do want to see Renfield, but next weekend, a big movie for me, Ari Aster's new movie, Bo is Afraid, is coming out with Joaquin Phoenix. And it's already getting, basically, he has um, a way of getting the audience's attention uh, or, or, or critics where it's kind of like you would think if they were reviewing a David Lynch film like, uh, like they they were gobsmacked by something that they watched and it's a fucking journey. And I love watching journeys it, like not so much adventures, but a movie that's going to kind of set us in the past, smack you in the fucking face right after you see it. Like, I don't care if it's mama or, 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 or mother, I should say. Um, or if it's something like apocalyptico, like anything like that, that makes my eyes bulge out of my head especially if I'm high and by the end of it, I'm completely consumed of my soul. Partially. I think those are good films. I forgot that that film was coming out. I've seen the trailer for it a couple times. It does look really fucking good. I'm sure it'll be a good film. What do you, what do you, do you think the film's about dementia? Cause that's what I was getting. Like, is this him like as an old man looking back on past memories as they erase from his head? Cause Ari Aster is really weird for people that don't know. He made Midsommar and hereditary, um, Incredible films, if you like them, called Elevated Horror, I guess you could say, which I still think is a stupid concept. I think there's a good chance of that because they talk about it's like something he's passed down to his daughter in the trailer. It's like, you're, you know, this is your father's fault or whatever. And he, and he spends a lot of time talking about his mother in the trailer. So I'm curious on maybe there is some kind of genetic thing that's being passed down. Like you said, maybe dementia it could be some sort of schizophrenia, but like the demons. They kind of show like these demon characters, which they did in uh, in some uh, more cultish type behavior in the trailer. I, I've only seen the trailer like two or three times, so I would need to go back and watch it to put together like a full opinion on what I might think it's about. But I, I think you're probably pretty close with what it'll be. But it's also one of those things where I don't want to study it too hard because I like the shock value of like, oh, fuck, I was way off base or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to. 
getting get into reading any uh, internet theories. The other film that I'm super excited about it's uh, from two of your boys from Boston are doing yes. the story Air, <laughs> directed by Ben Affleck, which is already getting rave fucking reviews. I want to see that. Um, it's just literally about Nike signing Michael Jordan to his shoe contract, and which, as we know, is probably one of the craziest things in sports ever as far as like a uh, sponsorship has went, if you think about how many shoes Jordan has sold over the years. So that's going to be an interesting tale. Um, I've seen it kind of, they talked about it in The Last Dance, and there's been some documentaries about it, but it'll be cool to see like a an actual film. Oh, yeah. And I also want to see the last movie I'll mention is, uh, what is it? Big, strong George Foreman about the comeback tale of George Foreman coming back to boxing after 10 years and winning the championship. One of the coolest stories in, in sports, I think. And uh, they're doing a movie about it. I wonder if they'll go over the fact that Hulk Hogan was supposed to get the uh, the, the George Foreman grill before he did. <laughs> God damn it, full of shit. <laughs> it's pasta mania, brother. Uh, <laughs> Postamania, brother. I yeah, I'm excited for that too. And I did like it that they showed like the chubbier George Foreman selling his George Foreman grills in one of the trailers for that. That that should be a really good film. I like that they're focusing on the later years of George Foreman coming back as opposed to what we mostly see, which is Thriller and Manila, him versus Ali. Um and him versus Frazier. I know they're going to spend some time on that, but I am an, a, more interested in this side of George Foreman. It's kind of the Foreman I grew up with, with yep. uh, his TV show <laughs> and the Foreman grill and uh, even the Sega video games <laughs> for Foreman boxing and, and such. So it's crazy to think that this man was a heavyweight champion in the 90s, considering that he started boxing in like the mid 70s, right? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's crazy. It's an interesting tale for sure, and one that I look forward to seeing. That's oh, kind of like the uh, story of Evander Holyfield. You know, like, dude had, like, a heart attack, basically, and was never going to box again, and then came back and was, like, the heavyweight champion through most of the 90s. Yeah. I, I just thought about it, too. Last thing before we move on to wrestling, um, you know, I guess it was George Foreman, the Foreman Grill, and then we were talking about Air Jordans with Michael. Um Mainly because the season kind of went over woo wear. Did you get a chance to watch the the third and final season of Wu Tang and American Saga? Which to me, for a miniseries, if anyone hasn't watched it, like a superhero story meets biopic. Um, I would definitely recommend if you're a fan of the music and uh, just great from start to finish. Amazing job, Reza, Riza, who was the producer. Um, but ha did you get a chance to watch that last season? I did, and it's—I it, didn't like the last season as much as I did the second season. But it was—it was a really—it's just a really good miniseries overall. Like you—you you said, there's like elements of uh, you know just being a biopic, but definitely kind of has almost the feel that Atlanta has to it to some yes. extent. Cinematic, uh, which I really love. I, I thought it was a great show. I think the casting was fucking phenomenal the more and more you get into watching it, some of the casting is just really, really good. So, um, yeah, great mini series for sure. I want something like that for outcast. Can we do a, uh, <laughs> an outcast version? Yeah, we need of, outcast uh, one and we need, um, I'd love to see tribe. Yeah, that would be cool too, for sure. Um, 
Outcast, I think, is interesting just because of how long their career spans and how different their music goes from album to album. And just the relationship between Big Boy and Andre, I think that would make for a cool, cool ass like mini series like that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, right before we start, I just wanted to show a little bit of love uh, for a music legend that passed away. Um, Bobby Caldwell passed away, man. And uh, if you get a chance, go. If you've heard what you won't do for love, which is a classic. Um, the whole album, that album itself, go back and listen to it if you're a music fan. The the most incredible thing about it is the fact that Bobby did the horns, the percussion, the guitar, the bass, obviously singing and produced it himself, which there's not a lot of people in the music industry. Some of the ones that became more popular, like Prince, Dave Grohl, Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney, et cetera, et cetera. Bobby might have not had as many hits, but beautiful album beautiful artist and i always enjoy because i thought the same fucking thing uh watching reaction videos especially if it's a you know someone black who watches the bobby codwell video and has heard the song and realizes it you know a million times what you won't do for love and they've heard it because their parents or their grandparents have played it and all of a sudden they're like wait that dude's white and like that to me is just fucking hilarious and usually have a good laugh. And uh, yeah, man, uh, White Brothers got sold, that blue eyed soul, just like the Righteous Brothers, you know? So uh, rest in peace to Bobby Caldwell. But um, anyways, I don't know. I just had to say that. You know. I, I, I'll have to go back and check that album out with that in mind because I did not know that he did everything on the album. That's new new news for me. Yeah, it's sad the details that come out about an artist, even to me, you know, after he passes. But, yeah, that's uh, pretty, pretty, even just for that single, man, that's a that's a beautiful song. And I, it's not that he doesn't like do the sax and trumpet, it's some type of instrument that kind of mimics it. Um, I don't know, some weird one they had in the late 70s. But, uh, yeah, either way, what you won't do, yeah. you do for love. Anyways. Yeah, they use that weird ass like it's almost like a piano, but not quite. That uses a tape reel to mimic those sounds. I can't think of what the hell it's called, but I've seen other people. It's like a harpsichord or some shit like that, or I don't know. It's got a weird name. I know that. But we're musicians. Yeah, "Do for Love" immediately ties into all of the times that song has been sampled over the years as well. Yep. Uh, really, really cool thing. Oh, I forgot what his name is. Chance the Rapper said that uh, when he was talking about this was said that one of the coolest things was getting permission to use uh, that song on a sample. Now, I think Bobby, like you just alluded to, has given that sample to pretty much everyone. But it was nice to hear that a rapper actually asked permission and thought that was a huge accomplishment to get permission to use a beat for a rap track. So good on you, Chance. I don't think a lot of rap artists did that. So. Yeah, I mean, the, my favorite, obviously, would be Do For Love, the Tupac song, which is also yep. one of my favorite music videos of all time, just because I love the animated music video that goes along with that song. Agreed. Definitely, man. But R.I.P. Like I said, man, it is it is funny in the video because they shadow him, so you don't see him, and he starts singing, and then all of a sudden he walks on the screen. And it looks like Indiana Jones with a bigger beak, you know, but uh, that's just uh, that's just how it is, man. 
throw you off a little bit. Actually, I think they did the <laughs> same thing with the Righteous Brothers, too, and uh, you've got that loving feeling. Uh, so just to throw off the audience. Got to appreciate that. Throwing off the audience. Should we go into the news about wrestling? <laughs> or we just go straight into like a Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, we got to pull the wool over their eyes. Pal. Gotta make sure they can't see. Uh, Vince notably was not at either Raw or SmackDown. Raw because I think the plane flight thing, I'm not 100% sure. But he was also not at SmackDown. But still, it was noted. But by someone that found out the information that he was uh, going over the show... Uh, with the team beforehand or something like that. So I don't know about that whole entire thing. Um, I thought Raw and SmackDown were really good, had some good parts. Raw was really good for them having to fucking put that together uh, in such a short notice since they lost like half their fucking roster through delays. It's really weird with, with wrestling, Chris. You would think that type of stuff happens more often than not, but I mean, the last time this happened was when everyone was held up over in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and they had to bring in the NXT crew to kind of fill out SmackDown. Yeah, it tends to happen more when they're merging the rosters like they have been. They have people switching back and forth shows, especially in WWE, because they also do house shows, so there's a lot more travel. We haven't really seen it in AEW just because they're not traveling quite as much. Uh, which I'm assuming will change now that they're doing house shows. But yeah, it's always weird. But some of the best shows are the ones that they have to, which is funny because they try to randomly throw the show together three hours beforehand with Vince a lot of times, and it's terrible. But with Hunter. (laughs) But when they have like a limited roster, it's better because he can't overthink it. He's like, well, we just got to have good wrestling, I guess. So um, yeah, it's always interesting because the the Saudi show, when they got stuck in Saudi, that's SmackDown. Uh, in in the Raw, I guess, following, gave us some, like, really good matches. Isn't that when we got, like, AJ versus, I can't remember. We had some AJ really... And Gargano and um, Adam Cole went against someone as well. But, yeah, it was an invasion <laughs> angle with NXT, and it was awesome because that was, to me, primetime NXT was, you know, that time period. So, yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff that led up to a Survivor Series. Oh, guess who was involved with all that creatively and had to be creative for that night? Triple H. Weird. Anyways, <laughs> doesn't matter. Whatever. Uh, I, I'm still, uh, as far as the Vince not being there goes, I, I don't, you know, cell phones exist. So if you wanted to rewrite the show on the fly, you could still do that. I don't know how much that matters. I'm going to give it, like I said, I think we got to give it time to play out. If two, like a month or two from now, it's we'll know. getting promised main events that don't happen, like that first Raw after Mania, and like there's lots of really bad humor. We'll know that Vince is uh, Vince is back, at least more in charge than he was uh, after getting booted from the company. But hopefully he's just too busy uh, <laughs> to get his hands in there every week. Yeah, I, I just uh, I also find um, <laughs> the hashtag uh, fire Vince McMahon. I find that just as funny as uh, hashtag Snyderverse. You got you fans <laughs> out there are very very cute. That's all I gotta say. Uh, yeah, you can't get, you can't fire Vince. You gotta buy him out of his contract. <laughs> That's <laughs> just a reminder <laughs> of how batshit his <laughs> that cell was. He's a two year contract and. He can only be let go from the company with severance of his, like something that he deems fair. So 
I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. Yep. Maybe maybe Vince McMahon will quit and then take over the Snyderverse. Uh, anyways, you kind of mentioned it. This is a small uh, amount of news, but we'll talk about it. Because I don't even remember if we really we, – we announced that it was happening. But, you know, now we know the dates uh, from Wrestling Observer uh, for the draft. April 28th coming up will be the first on SmackDown. And then May 1st on Raw will follow. You know, with the whole entire traveling perspective, would it seeming like they're going to condense – you know, Roman's the only champion. They only got one set of tag team champions with Kevin Owens and Sammy. We already have Rhea calling out Bianca and having, you know, a little bit of a back and forth with her. Uh, there's only one set of tag team champions for the women's. And then you have the IC champion on one show and the U.S. champion on the other show. So I really feel as, as crazy as I always fucking switch back and forth maybe i just want a new set of things but i think it might be beneficial this time to have a draft if you're actually going to go by it because if you just play some stupid fucking rule to have one person come on to the other show that it's not it's not a fucking draft and that's one of the biggest problems i have with the concept of a draft is that they don't actually stand by it in the 2000s when this is first brought up there were two separate rosters, there was two separate shows, and they only had interactions on the pay-per-views. I don't mind, especially with War Games, there being the principle of them meeting for Survivor Series. But other than that, you know, maybe try to have two separate strong rosters. And on the flip side, Chris, from all that we're hearing from Dave and a lot of other people, it sounds like that's the approach they're going to be going for in Dynamite or in AEW with Dynamite and then Rampage and the other TNT Saturday show that's coming out, we'll have one roster while Dynamite will have another roster. I don't know if that will work out for them. And who knows if this is true. It's coming by, like, keeping certain groups separated. So mainly CM Punk with the Elite. But I, I don't know. How do you feel about separate rosters, especially with both companies, AEW and WWE? They have so many fucking people. So is it beneficial to split it up instead of trying to have a person come out every so often or kind of just having one general roster where, yeah, you you lose sight of a lot of other people, like I said? Well, as people on this sh- who's listened to the show for a long time know, I hate the draft and brand split and mostly because they're going to forget about it in like six months leading up to Mania. So that's yep. all, that's that's always the problem with it. I don't like the presentation of how they do the draft. If you're going to do the draft, you need to determine why certain picks happen when they do. I think you should have trades. I mean, make it like an actual fucking sport, and maybe people would be more interested in it. Yep. Otherwise, just like put it out online. Look, these are the people who drafted. <laughs> like, I don't need whole shows based around it because the uh, the draft shows are notoriously bad. For the most part, um, I don't. There's no excitement to me. Do you, you think know. that when the first pick happens and Stephanie comes out, she'll tear her quad? <laughs> Is she gonna be a GM in this draft? Is that? I'm sure she always fucking puts her face on television for these drafts. You think? You think it's gonna be so, or do you think they'll do something like it's uh, 
Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce on separate brands or what I love about this is, and, and also here's another reason and I'll give it right back to you. Why it makes sense is because with this WWE, they have Fox and they have universal CBS or is it NBC? Whatever the fuck universal CBS USA. So they have two different companies, two different production companies, television, um, that want different stars on their platform. So there's that. But it's, I find it funny that even if it's due to fighting between people, quite literally with the brawl, that it's actually TBS and TNT they're going to have two different rosters technically on their platforms since they're under the same Warner Brothers banner. They're doing it for different reasons than WWE, though. WWE is doing it to lighten the travel schedule of some of their stars and to create new storylines coming out of Mania, whereas the rumor of why AEW is getting this next show or that's being pushed for is to basically separate wrestlers who don't want to work together. <laughs> just not, just not really how you would want to do that. Because what's going to happen is they're going to have like a big A show and a big B show, and they're going to be completely different styles of wrestling. Because if you're going to put like all the serious wrestlers on one fucking show on Saturday, let's say that's the show they put CM Punk on, and you're going to have CM Punk directly pick the people he wants to wrestle with. He's just going to pick like all of the wrestling ass wrestlers. And then on the other show, you're going to have original AEW basically. Or the big high flyers and spot guys. So it's going to look fucking different as well, which would be fucking strange. And not only that, chopping up Rampage and the Saturday show. So will, will they just get an hour Friday and Saturday? I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well just cut the Rampage show and do a two-hour show on Saturday. To me. I think I, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Or Rampage is going to be some sort of recap show. Or they're going to move that um, reality show to Friday. I'm curious on what they're going to do with Rampage because they also, if, if Rampage is at that point, Rampage is your C show, right? And uh, that becomes like your Sunday night heat kind of show. So maybe that's a good way just to introduce new stars, which their ratings are kind of that anyways. Uh, so maybe that's not the best thing. I don't, I think you're going to cannibalize your audience with a brand split there as opposed yep. to WWE. Like what's going to happen is, you're going to split off punk onto one show and that's going to be the, the show that in theory is going to draw the biggest ratings. Um, so I, I don't necessarily, I don't like solve your fucking differences. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, this we'll, is not we'll a get reason into to have this, a brand split. We'll get into this meeting that's apparently happening that Dave was reporting yesterday about with CM Punk, Chris Jericho and other wrestlers to work out stuff. Uh, but the one last thing, the only positive thing, because I completely agree with you with AEW, is we do have a lot of wrestlers like Wardlow who will be on a pay-per-view and then be gone for four weeks. Or Jay Lethal, who has been gone for a while and just came back with his group. Him and Jeff Jarrett were on Rampage last night kind of randomly. So maybe if we condense it, we have two rosters, two smaller rosters, we'll give more opportunity for – because they have so many fucking people. I mean, Jay White came out and, and attacked someone, and that's his intro for fucking AEW. So, I don't know. It's a, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, the other thing here is that they already have a second roster called Ring of Honor. 
So why not just make one true. of the shows a so televised Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor I, show? I feel like they're doing it so that like the TBS show Dynamite is their Raw. Whatever's on TNT Friday, Saturday, whatever, is going to be their SmackDown. And I guess Ring of Honor, since it's specifically on a a platform that you have to watch, kind of like it's their NXT or what NXT used to be. But I, I, I agree with you. That's that's a very good point. Would you put Ring of Honor people on either the Friday or Saturday show more so if they do split it this drastically? I, I would almost say like you could replace Rampage with like just Ring of Honor Rampage, right? And then you can if you have Ring of Honor yeah. World, maybe you get caught you get that content earlier in the week and then they show it on Friday. Kind of like what they do with Or New give Japan. us free fucking pay per views, you douches. I don't know, sorry. I don't I don't think they're going to do that, but they could do like it. Maybe you're a week behind the Ring of Honor tapings, kind of like what they do with New Japan World on uh, access where they're like, here's some here's some good matches from the, you know, the record for the people that don't have Ring of Honor. World, and maybe that'll help push that product and you could rotate in people from Elevation or Dark who's not necessarily on the two main shows. I mean, that would be one way to go with it. The one benefit of them doing a brand split is we can't complain about how many titles they have on the show, because in theory, the titles would be separated out or they would rebrand those titles. So maybe that helps that booking fiasco of, Oh my God, we have so many fucking belts. Well, yeah, because you could do the triple champs on dynamite because obviously the bucks that's, means a lot to them. Not saying that they can't have tag teams just two on two, but kind of keep those championships on one. And then FTR coincidentally has the tag team belts. And we'll talk about later um, how they resigned for four years, but they're retiring afterwards, but they're, they're the current champions. So you can kind of do that. You can have TNT belt. I don't know. I, I, all Atlantic, you know what I'm saying? Like they can have a similar concept to what they've built that WWE is also kind of doing. So it's, it's interesting, but I agree with you. The whole thing about separate rosters, the positives are that people, you get to see more people, but at the same time, it can become convoluted and uh, a bit messy as well. And that's a lot more stuff for Tony to do. Let me just add that in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is what there's two YouTube shows. There's already two TV shows. There's Ring of Honor. So two, four, five. They'll have six fucking shows, plus a reality show, plus house shows. Yeah, that's too much content for a company that does under one million viewing on their major. And not show. only that, I mean, <laughs> I understand. I think part of the thing is working out with Punk because of that Wimsley Stadium show. I'm sure that's part of it. Um, if that's happening, but if Tony's so busy, you know, I, I, that is still four months away. So that's also another thing. It's like, that's a lot to take on as a company, but if they strive and they do it great, maybe it'll be beneficial. You know, well, that's another, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I, I, I would be worried that they're going to cannibalize their audience to a point that's you're going to have everyone watch whatever show Punk's on, and then the other show will be similar to what Rampage is now. Uh, so, and, and I mean, unless they get like a big signing, like a Brock Lesnar or something to put on the other fucking show, like there's not that many free agents out there that's going to be in the same realm of a, a Punk as a draw 
as much as I love Kenny and the Bucks, that's not that's your that was the core audience of AEW to begin with. So I maybe they'll stick around, but what what does that equate to ratings wise? And and does that even matter? Or are they just yeah. like we need to sell out Wembley, so we gotta get Punk back? Uh, that might be the uh, you know I think that's the, the biggest driving force, like you were kind of just alluding to, is like whatever we have to do to get Punk back to do well for this Wembley show, which is smart, but I don't know that that works in the long run. Uh, with a brand split of this company and as far as like there's more people on the roster than they can use well then fucking get rid of some people i don't don't know what to tell you like that's uh that's maybe a different conversation altogether but you you don't need all these people under fucking contract if you're not if, if you don't have a spot to use them in and you already have like fucking five shows i don't maybe you're doing too much like Impact uh, is a very small rest, like you know they have a very small locker room as far as a roster and it's, as far as people that are actually signed specifically to them, but they put on a very quality show with less star power. So there's no you know there's no need to have as many people as they have other than they were preventing people from going to WWE. The same thing with WWE, like the fucking NXT, like the amount of people they have signed <laughs> to NXT is kind of ridiculous for who you actually see on TV. It's just not as talked about because that's their developmental brand. It's a good point. No, for sure. But uh, let's let's get into this. You know, the big news of this week. Um, so apparently, from what Dave Meltzer is reporting, uh, he was talking on Wrestling Observer. There is going to be a meeting um, coming up soon uh, to try to air grievances. Uh, apparently, this was promoted by CM Punk and Jericho, uh, who obviously have some issues, but it will be Jericho, Tony Khan, CM Punk, FTR, and many members. Um, basically, if this is going to be a meeting, and apparently, and this is also from what it sounds like, why there's going to be separate shows, um, from what Sean Ross Sapp is reporting, um, and I think Dave also touched on this. The Bucks and fucking Kenny don't want anything to do with Punk. At least the Bucks don't. And you know, based on the situation, we didn't see the exact footage or anything like that. I don't blame them if that's the case. So I don't think we're going to get this FTR with CM Punk versus the Elite. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, which is fine. If we can just be professional, have two different shows, if that's what it takes, it's fine. But... What they're making it sound like it's not so much that way with FTR and CM Punk and the elite themselves have apparently not been named what Dave Meltzer said as a part of this meeting. So that doesn't mean they're not going to be there, but they're going to try to talk, air out grievances, talk as a company and try to work forward past this situation. John Moxley's another person that's also uh, scheduled to be there. So if if this is true or or you know within this this is positive i think you know and i think that like we said a lot of this is politics involving the wembley show uh but if we can get some discourse some people you know even if they're yelling at each other at parts of it just talking about you know their dissatisfaction and punk apologizes to the locker room um i think that would be really beneficial I know that Kenny and the Bucks already did that when they came back. They they already, you know, talked to everyone, and it seems like there is more so on the side of the elite. 
there is a split in the locker room between people. Some people are pro-punk, some people are pro, which is stupid. We don't need this fucking shit uh, within the company itself. But if that's the case, I mean, maybe I guess, Chris, they should have given Brett his own show and Sean his own show. Yeah, yeah, that's the weird thing is like, you know, instead of there being like a wrestler's court or and there were people that picked sides even back then. Um, and a few people that just never wrestled in WWF again, that just completely left the roster after the Montreal screw job. Um, Mick was one of the people that threatened not to like Mick fully threatened to just not fucking show up uh, after the Montreal screw job. So, there, I mean, there was, you know, stuff like that even back then um, with those two two things hitting heads but uh vince didn't go out and say hey we're just gonna make two fucking separate shows that's uh that's how we resolve this pal um it's a weird choice and for you know for aw fans do do you want to see a brand split you know that makes it more like wwe in a lot of ways so i I don't know. The meeting, I think, is fine. The meeting is specifically, I guess, supposed to be around Jericho and Punk since they've been shooting shots at each other on Instagram for a while, which maybe this is like storyline. It's it's Jericho, so it's hard to tell tell if he was actually upset or I'm sorry. Is there is there part of me that thinks this whole thing last time with Moxley and Punk was bullshit and a lot of the stuff with Jericho and Punk have already been aired out? And they're just adding stuff like I hate to be that person that's like, is it a work or a shoot? But like, what the fuck? Like I said, it made no sense with John Moxley. And even he never said in his response that we didn't talk about with his wife, Renee, on the interview, anything negative about punk. He kind of talked a lot about everything else and skirted around the issue. It just makes me think like, so they were friends and then they weren't friends. And, you know, it's just random, dude. So I don't know what the fuck's real anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah, with Jericho and Moxley, it almost seems like they, uh, they're they working a shoot, so to speak. They're working, like, off of what happened and pretending to be a little angry about it. Which Moxley should be the only one that's actually pissed off as far as other people on the roster goes that aren't in the elite. Because, you know, he dropped the fucking title and then this guy gets hurt and does this fucking thing at the press conference. and kind of <laughs> leaves him with his fucking uh, dick in his hand who, and then he had to get the title back and then run, run with it for six months, which completely changed whatever they were going to be doing with his storyline and also fucked with his vacation. Maybe that's why they're mad. Cause Jericho and Moxley had to come back the next day and both of them were supposed to be on a, on a vacation when all that shit happened. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I like what's going on with the Elite and the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. You know, we didn't see Brian Danielson this last week, but him coming back really added some gravitas to that group. So if we're going to be doing certain things like that on that show, I'd, like I said, I just really don't want one to become the quote-unquote wrestling show and one to become the quote-unquote high flyer show. Like, that's going to completely... Like you said, they have a problem, I think we can admit this, Chris, of pulling in new viewers. They kind of have their core audience. Why would you want to split that core audience, you know, divide them in half, basically? Yeah, I I mean, maybe it'll help, though. I don't know. Maybe people like – well, that's the thing. Is it an experiment to figure out what kind of wrestling show you want to do? 
Is that is that what this is at the end of the day? Is it Seahawks style of wrestling, or is it the Young Bucks and Kenny's more high flying modern? We'll call it modern wrestling. Uh, yep. It's it's a very expensive way to a fucking experiment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but uh, as far as the, I mean, if you're the elite, especially if you're Kenny Omega, and you might not even re-sign with a fucking company, do you have any interest in? sitting down with CM Punk at this point? Probably not. I, I would I would think probably not. So I'm not surprised that he's asked for meetings with them multiple times, apparently, and they've been like, nah, fam. Well, apparently, yeah, that's... Apparently, from what Sean Ross Sapp said, he kind of at least tried to mend things with, with Kenny shortly after, being like, it wasn't so much me and you sort of shit, what he was saying. So it really just seems like and, I mean, Kenny could still have bad feelings and vice versa with Punk. I'm not saying that. But it really fe- feels like the dividing forces are two of your 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 uh, CEOs of the company, uh, you know, Matt and Nick Jackson. On the other side, you have CM Punk. So, whatever. Um, I think if you really want to sell yeah. a Wembley Stadium, if you've got FTR and Punk versus the Elite, that's one of the biggest matches you can make and build up to, honestly. Yeah, or just, you know, Omega and Punk. I think that's enough to tell the story of what happened from the press conference uh, and also have a good fucking match. And I think that there could be business made still with maybe possibly – because from everything Dax says, he's got a lot of respect for both the Jackson brothers. Um, Certain things that played off – you know, if if you listen to his podcast. um, Certain things that played off where they weren't happy with storyline, but I don't know if that was focused at the Bucks. And there's one more rubber match left there, so you could st- you could definitely do FTR and the Bucks, and then if Kenny and Punk don't have problems, Punk and Kenny um, at that pay-per-view. I-, I think it's mostly don't have fucking Punk involved with the Bucks, basically. So. Yeah. Um it doesn't seem like they have much faith in this, though, if they're already if there's already talk about there being separate rosters with wrestlers that want to. We will we will see. I wonder if uh, Jr. is going to be on the Saturday show. Probably. Yeah. I would assume. <laughs> When's the last time he's been on commentary? I, he's only I watched, on Rampage. Yeah, he's only on Rampage. OK, so I, I would love I watch those him and I watch the Friday shows without commentary like. They're usually on mute because I'm doing other shit yeah. Friday night. Um, I would love him and Nigel to be the Saturday. Like, they'll probably throw Excalibur in there, but I'm just saying, like, uh, it would be cool a two man booth, just JR and Nigel McGuinness. Uh, I think they didn't they do one of the NXT things together? Oh, probably. They had such a mismatch, or, you know, after uh, Ranello left they did a bunch of different like fill in spots for their pay-per-view. So that's pot. That's possible. I think they did the UK tournament thing at some point, but I could be wrong. I know that both of them were involved at least in that, but they're both really reliable announcers. And I don't know. I just get the, when you listen to rampage, I, I feel like Jared just wants to punch Tony in the face at the fucking time. But I love the camaraderie that is Tony Excalibur and Taz on Dynamite. I think actually they play off each other really well. 
I would almost say that they don't need Tony anymore in that spot. I think there's other things you can do with Tony. I'm not saying get rid of Tony Schiavone, but I think just it, it, especially just if you watch any of the U. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's kind of what they use him as anyways. So just have him do that. I think that's fine. Wait, you, and, you're saying that you don't like him just constantly saying, wow, this is really <laughs> great, guys. <laughs> It's not just that. I don't like three-man booths in general, so it, that's more of just a preference. I would much rather it just be Taz and Excalibur. One, when it's just Taz and Excalibur, you get all of the funny Taz making fun of Excalibur shit that you don't get in the three-man booth. No, because Taz so. is constantly attacking Tony the whole entire time. Like, hey, are you paying attention, Tony? Do you even know what's going on in front of you? And the answer is, he's not. <laughs> no, he was checking a text from Britt Baker just then. Uh, he does not have time to pay attention, Taz. Um, but yeah, all, all, all kidding aside, they I mean, they, there is reasons why they need to bring Punk back if they can. So from a company standpoint, as much as I hate him, I, and much as I wouldn't hire him back, it's not my fucking company. That's very big of you to admit. But no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I I agree with you. I understand what you're saying. Uh, we got a couple small things, Chris, before we go into Rebellion and kind of like talk up a little bit about the highlights for the four other shows. Um, so the first one, the other three, unfortunately, involve injuries and and taking breaks, uh, reportedly. But the first one, uh, and he still has no- noted that he would like to do some other stuff outside of New Japan, but Kazuchi Okada is now focused on trying to get tag team gold along with Tanahashi. So they want to get those championships from Aussie Open. And uh, I think the new Mega Powers are probably going to fucking get those titles. So, uh, hey, if, if Oka- I, I I'm still weary about the choice to go to Sonata. I really like Sonata, man. I mean, he's the fucking protege of the great Muda. He's a great wrestler. And with New Japan, the disconnect for me is not being able to understand any of them, really, because I don't, you know, understand Japanese. So it also allows me to get over the hump of knowing if they're good on the mic, because it's not so much about that. Usually someone's translating what they're saying. You can get energy, but like as opposed to American wrestling, where that's something to tell. Sonata's incredible in the ring. I hate that little fucking ball kick thing that he does to the person. But other than that, I think he's great. Uh, I just... My biggest thing, like, it'll be cool to see Okada and Tanahashi with titles around their waist. And they'll have probably a great match with Aussie Open. And then you could have them potentially going against FTR or another big tag team anywhere, really, for however long they want to do it. Uh, But basically, is it going to end up back on Okada's waist? Let's, Let's go from Okada to Kenny Omega. And a lot of it had to do with contract situations and displeasure from the company. Kenny leaves back in Okada. You know, you have Okada. Shigo Takagi was someone they went with. Didn't work. Poor Naito twice within this thing. You know, um, Kota Ibushi, they try to put it towards. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, they keep on trying the championship on someone else. Will Ospreay, for instance but inevitably goes back to who is their Roman Reigns, you know, who is Kazuchi Okada. And uh, I'm just wondering if we're prolonging or maybe Okada going to this and doing stuff with Strong, since he's such a big, you know, draw to people that are fans of that, 
and maybe doing stuff with AEW and having different opponents and kind of getting away might allow those other guys to flourish a bit more, especially Sonata. I don't know. Uh, or maybe that's what they're doing. That's the purpose of him being in the tag division right now with Tanahashi. But I don't. Do you understand what I'm saying though? With New Japan, I love Gato. He's done a great job booking in the past, but it just seems like they're very reactionary. It's kind of like Netflix. You know, they put out a season, they spend a shit ton of money on it. If it doesn't get certain views, they cancel it before it can even get started. Well, in this situation, at least Sonata is over um, with with the Japanese crowd. I, I think a lot of it has to do with them trying to build up New Japan Strong, and we'll probably will see Okada on the New Japan Strong shows. And if that's coming as a tag team, um, and, and him and Tanahashi are going to be over here doing tag matches, whether it's on Impact or New Japan Strong, I think that there's some there's reasons to do that as a company because they are still trying to build up an English product or a, an American product. So from that standpoint, I think it's fine. The other thing is it does give you, if they win the tag belts, but then they get separated in the G1, you could end up with a final that's Tanahashi versus Okada at G1, even though they're tag partners, which I think is an interesting storyline. And then you can pick whoever you want to have. Big powers explode, brother. Right. The classic storyline of those two having to choose between being tag champions and uh, being singles competitors again or whatever. I think that's an interesting storyline that you could tell. Um, Or they could just get put in the same fucking bracket uh, and wrestle throughout that bracket, even though they're tag partners. And then that causes them to lose at some point during the G1 because the G1 is right around the corner. So we're really only talking about, you know, Sonata will have a match as the G1 or he can enter the G1 as champion. I don't know if he's going to do that or not. But you're going to get a lot of things set up out of the G1. So I'm not too concerned about that title switch right now. We, we, will, we will have to see what happens during the G1 and kind of how fans react to that, I think, is the biggest, the biggest thing. And also, Okada probably just needs a fucking break, bud. <laughs> In the past five years, he's probably carried the title for like 2,000 days or something if we added it all up. Yeah, he is, I don't know, I guess he is the most efficient person that they can go back to when it comes to just being able to have good matches, being a huge draw, being the top guy basically in the company, you know. But he's still young, man, and that's also a good thing just for, I think we're going to see him do a lot more. I just don't want this repetitive stuff of, hey, this this worked, we got a guy elevated a little bit, but then we're going to go back to Okada. Again, because he'll be able to sell at the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom two nights in a row. And, you know, I mean, I understand the business aspect. I do. Like I said, Roman kind of represents that on one side. Um, I don't know exactly who that person is in AEW, but they obviously do as well. Um, Uh, I mean, as of late, it's been Moxley, right? Up until recently, he's been their ace. Yeah, the one that they can rely on the most, uh, I would say so, yeah. But with with Okada, the other thing is maybe he's starting – maybe they feel like he's starting to get stale, and that's why they're taking the title off him, as opposed to what they did with Tanahashi, where they kind of had to rehab Tanahashi after all of his runs. Maybe Okada's kind of fallen into that a little bit. Yep, not sure. But, hey, I'm looking forward to him and Tanahashi being a badass tag team, so – 
there is that. Yeah, I, I wonder how much crossover there's going to be at the Wembley event and how much that plays into what New Japan hey. wants to do. Hey, great crossover. Great match. Brian Danielson versus Kuzuchika Okada. They both want it. <laughs> no, they do. They both want it. We will see. I, I, they, I mean, Brian's not going to be at the G1 this year. They've already kind of said that. So how do you, how do you get there? Does it does it just happen on an AEW show? Because the whole thing was Brian wanted to do a Tokyo Dome show. Yeah, maybe he just calls out Okada because he calls himself the best worker on the planet. And with this coming up, he wants to prove that he is above anyone else. And then Okada reacts at a New Japan. You know, they could do, do something small like that. I'm fine. Just get those motherfuckers in a ring together. Yeah, it's a dream match. It's definitely one I think a lot of fans have wanted to see for a long time. So I, I'm completely down for that. I, I just feel like they're the two all-around best workers in the industry. I I'll would still, I would still, well. I would still go Okada and Omega probably. As far you could as throw Omega the, in the top five, I would say, for sure. AJ um, still up there, as far as like quality of matches based on anything that they give him. He always puts on a good fucking match. Will Osprey. And even though he's an annoying joker, I'm I'm gonna give Seth his props of being able to always have good matches with everyone as well. So. Yeah. Fucking Roman, man. Has Roman had a bad match? No, he's had kind of the same match a lot. So maybe yeah. that's, you know, that would maybe deter him. Because we're just talking about in-ring work. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top workers is a little bit different than biggest people within the industry. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> Hey, hey, WWE, instead of having him lose Xavier fucking Woods, even though I love Xavier, but the dude's over. People are doing the yeah thing on, on fucking Dynamite during MJF. So I'm just saying, maybe give LA Knight a little bit more than what you're giving, but whatever. Ugh. Yeah, it's baffling to me that he didn't have – I figured they were going to do a match with him and Bobby Lashley. That seemed like the perfect setup at Mania. Just to get him on the show, even though he would have lost to Bobby Lashley, it just it would have gave Bobby something to do and him something to do because he kept teasing like you can't have WrestleMania without L.A. Uh, that was kind of the whole thing going in, and then Bobby did the open challenge, and then they did Dick All with either of them. So even if they just had a segment where he comes out, hijacks the microphone, starts spitting off stuff, and then you hear the glass break, and Austin just comes to the ring, a little bit of back and forth, not much of anything, stunner. That helps out LA Knight like immensely, and he also gets a share stage with one of his favorite wrestlers. So they could have done something. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I had a feeling that they weren't going to do anything with him when they put him into a weird squash match with fucking Bray. So hopefully they'll just release him <laughs> from his contract and he can go <laughs> make money somewhere else because he is kind of just being wasted. Well, speaking about making money somewhere else, um, we found out, and this is very interesting stuff. Drew McIntyre is out apparently on injury, um, mostly from WrestleMania 39. He's just banged up. But from what is being reported by, you know, Wrestling Observer and lots of other outlets is that the meetings involving his new contract, which is coming up, 
have not gone very well. And last night, after he was taken off of SmackDown due to his injury, uh, he posted on Twitter a bunch of those, like, waving goodbye emojis and blacked his account and took out all the WWE stuff. I have no idea if this is just bullshit. This is one of those situations, guys. This could all just be bullshit and then causing Drew to come back, maybe to, like, talk shit about management and, I don't know, give him a little bit of, like, an Austin flair to him. It could all be a work. Or he's unhappy and his contract is coming out and he's basically making it known, like other wrestlers have done in the past, that he wants to get the fuck out of there. I think Drew McIntyre is a really good wrestler. He's a good... I know a lot of wrestlers hate this term, but a good in-ring hand. You know, he can make a really good fucking brawl look great. Good punches. Uh, I think he's good on the mic. He has a lot of intensity. So I think anyone gets some impact. New Japan, which that one rings to me. I don't know. That that excites me. Drew McIntyre in New Japan really does. Uh, impact, New Japan, or AEW. Where they already have a million fucking people. But I kind of hope he resolves stuff with WWE. I know he's been unhappy. That's been reported for a while. Um, and I still feel bad that he was kind of like what Moxley was to AEW during the pandemic when it became the guy with the belt that didn't really get to be in front of a fucking audience. I'm glad Moxley later, um, you know, even though the situation, it shouldn't have happened, but he was able to get that belt and then have that belt as a baby face in front of everyone later on. Drew didn't have the same thing. I don't think Drew's the greatest worker or anything like that, but I think that he's a good fucking wrestler, man. So whatever happens, I hope he stays in WWE. If not, if he is considering leaving, I know him and his wife might not want to relocate, but uh, there is something. Maybe he can do stuff at Strong, but I, I feel like him in Japan against some of those opponents, Shingo Takagi, Ishii, you know, that sounds really fucking fun and interesting. Um, he's always kind of reminded me of like a Scottish, like bruiser type of guy that could be like, you know, what uh, Stan Hansen was during his time over there. So I don't know, Chris, you hear about this, you hear about him blacking out his Twitter account, removing WWE. Do you think that's a work? Do you think he's really unhappy? Uh, do you think the injury that, their, their stating is actually just WWE trying to get him the fuck off television. Is he really injured? What do you think? Uh, I mean, it's possible that he is really injured and this is still like a storyline thing. And with Bailey kind of being doing a similar thing as well, not to the same extent of like deleting Twitter and Instagram and all that jazz, but it, I'm wondering if they're building kind of a storyline of outcasts as a heel group with like some big name wrestlers that they're going to use after the draft to set up some kind of weird survivor series thing or something like I, something just seems kind of like, it's just uh, a little much, especially for drew. Cause do I don't know that Vince, do you think Vince would play into a concept if he had wrestlers to go into the whole, like wrestlers are unhappy in the back. If he actually had wrestlers come out and speak about that, like, even if they aren't really unhappy, but, like, try to create that concept as a storyline? They've been doing it in NXT. With Grayson Waller, they, I mean, that was the whole setup yeah. of 
his feud with Sean. So maybe they were toying with the idea there to see how well it worked. And they're going to use some bigger superstars to do it on the main roster. I, I could see them doing something like that. I mean, it brings realism to your show to some extent. And, um, you know, the primary difference is all of that dialogue will be written <laughs> as opposed to AEW where they just have people coming out and saying shit. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's where they're going. The only thing about McIntyre going to New Japan is they're not going to pay him anywhere near what he would make in AEW and WWE. And that's probably what the entire argument's about is that he wants to crack that top five, especially knowing that Bray Wyatt's getting paid more than him. That would probably piss me off as well. Yeah, man, I can't believe. <laughs> and, you know, I've been a proponent of Bray, but knowing that he's up there with Cody and Becky and Charlotte and Roman and Brock is kind of a fucking joke. Yeah, and it could be just that he wants a lighter schedule. He doesn't want to do as many house shows because as far as I know, Drew's doing like all of the house shows and stuff as well, or he was. Um Specifically, when he was kind of feuding with Sheamus, they were working like all the fucking house shows. So it, it could be, you know, part like how often does he want to wrestle? How much money does he think he's worth versus what WWE is willing to pay him? Unfortunately, unfortunately for him, his contract kind of came up at a weird time where the company just got sold and they're going to look at laying people off both in office and probably roster wise. Uh, so it kind of sucks for him that way. My worry would be like if he went to AEW, they don't have a good track record of using big guys, even the ones that can work really well uh, in good situations. Like, for instance, Lance Archer, <laughs> who's who's better in the ring, way better in the ring than Drew McIntyre. Uh, <laughs> so I would just worry about him going there. But, you know, get paid, dude. Just make sure when you get paid, you, you're happy about what's going on. You know, you don't want to end up with like a fucking Miro situation and just yeah. be getting paid and never wrestle. And so. then your career's pretty much done after a couple of years. Yep. I agree. There is, for the AEW concept, there is something about, I don't know, for some reason I've always wanted to see Drew McIntyre and Hangman Page in a stare down and also in a match, but... Whatever happens, I'm sure Drew will find a good place. Even Impact, he'll provide. He's a good wrestler, dude. He's a good wrestler all around. You know, he's not one of the best, I don't think. But, like, I don't think you need to be fucking, like, the top tier like we were talking about. Um, he he also has the advantage of the WWE personality coming out of it. You know what I mean? Like, he's been known for a long time and has been in some very high-profile matches for WWE. So coming into AEW, maybe they will treat him a little better, and he would get, you know, more crossover for them. So hopefully they would just treat him better than they have a lot of their other big guys. You know what I mean? Uh, just because of that. But my guess is this is a storyline thing headed into the draft. And maybe we see like a little faction pop out of it. I think the WWE. I hope you're right. I think WWE started to realize, especially with uh, what the fuck is the name of the group with Rhea Ripley? I always Unforgiven. <laughs> One of those WWE oh, bad blood. Man. Judgment Day. Judgment Day. There you go. <laughs> we do this every time because <laughs> I'm like it's a fucking WWE pay per view name, but I can't remember which one it was. Uh, I think that they saw the benefit of like if you put together people in a group like that, you can really 
make something cool happen or even Seamus's little crew, right? Like it's helped get Seamus over to a different level being with those guys. So maybe they're just looking at, hey, let's build an outcast faction. We can have Drew McIntyre. We can have Bailey, and then find a couple other people, throw in there with them, maybe like the Viking Raiders or something. Throw Mustafa um, Ali in there. Give him something to fucking do. Yeah, get like a little group annoyed. of people that are pissed off at the company, and then they show up and fucking just start shit at the draft. And they're kind of like an NWA type thing where they're like not really part of the company, like what they did with. And that seems like something Triple H would book and write. So like, I'm going to lean towards it being something like that, not him just not wanting to resign. Well, I hope you're right. Um, the next two are both AEW superstars. Uh, one of them, and this is weird because he has the Ring of Honor, one of the halves of the Ring of Honor uh, World Tag Team Championships, but Ray Phoenix, as reported from PW Insider, is taking a break. Um, he's extremely banged up. His hip is uh, messed up. Um, he wasn't uh, he wasn't going to be a part of Triple Mania, so the only thing he has is the tag titles. I'm assuming that he'll drop those titles at some event coming up soon. Him in Pentagon, um, maybe or maybe it was just like something that happened recently that it's like definitely he has to. Uh, we don't know the exact details of it. We just know that they're either going to have to drop those titles and then pick up, and this is going to be the second time in a row, unfortunately, obviously because of the Briscoe with Jay passing, uh, where they have to like just find another tag team, or they're going to drop them, and that's going to be Ray's last match for a while. But the only thing I can say that is good about this is that Ray, from all the things he does to his fucking body, he's been going nonstop for a while now. Triple A, AEW, whatever, before that with Impact. If he needs a break, that should be a good thing. And I also think it would be a good thing for his brother because even though I think Ray is the better, you know, all around worker, especially as a fucking high flyer, he's incredible. I think Pentagon is the overall better superstar. Packaging everything. So maybe we can see Penta go up in the ranks in a singles way, in a big singles way with the, either Ring of Honor. Or AEW. So I don't know how long he'll be gone or on the shelf, but Ray Phoenix is taking a break, potentially after he drops the Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. I would assume probably at the, the next available time to drop them. I Maybe. But they're in kind of the situation Impact is with Ring of Honor. They could just record like, you know, three fucking tag matches and that leads out to the next ring of honor pay-per-view and he still gets time off it's a good point you know what i mean like that one's kind of weird because they're like the ring of honor TV, the weekly tvs for ring of honor are all pre-taped right it all depends on you know how bad his hip is because that's the issue right now i mean i i'm sure he can work through the pain but if that's collecting and collecting and collecting how much wear and tear does he have before he can take a break sort of thing. right and how and how many tapings do they already have in the bag that's a good point you know what i mean like if they do like impact does they may have like four shows worth of taping already um and then they don't also they also don't have to be on each show so this kind of the i get maybe the big thing is like you're not going to see him on AEW television so i mean I'm, i don't necessarily think that they have to drop the titles i think they could 
but you could also there's ways to get around that when you're talking about a pre that's one of the benefits of doing like a fucking pre-taped show someone gets hurt you can give them if they need a month off you can give a month off like now if you need surgery or something then yeah i would assume that they would they would have to drop the titles but we will see that sucks to hear that he's gotten problems with his hip though because if he ends up needing a hip replacement or something he he's never going to be the same ray phoenix you don't really well didn't they say the same thing about didn't they say the same thing about mysterio cuz didn't he have his hip replaced or am i just confusing that i don't think i mean I, it's been a long time since he i don't think so i don't think he's had his hip replaced i know prince okay. had his hip replaced <laughs> Because the doctor, Never that did, <laughs> the doctor that did uh, Prince's hip replacement did my friend at work. Shout out to Kevin Case, a uh, guy I work with. Uh, he did the hip replacement for him, the same doctor. And uh, he he's like a competitive karate. He used to be a competitive karate, uh, like one of those high kicker things that they do. Like those extreme stunt board breaking stuff. And that's how he blew out his hip. And he's never been able to do that stuff again. So. I'm going to go on a limb and say if, like, Prince's doctor couldn't get it done, it's, uh, if you blow your hip out, I don't think that – I mean, Ray Phoenix will probably find ways to do new stuff, but it won't be the Ray Phoenix we're seeing now where he's jumping across the ring like fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. All right, last thing before we uh, go into Impact Rebellion. Ring of Honor's Eddie Kingston says he needs hernia surgery. It's reported last night. Uh, he made a video and he said, I've been dealing with hernia sur- or injury. Well, I just found out it was a hernia, but I've been dealing with an injury since September. The reason why I'm going to make likely need surgery for this hernia, the hernia acted up really bad and I've been dealing with this for a long time. Uh, he noted that he put over Claudio for beating him so bad that his hernia is messed up. So kind of playing into it and giving some to Claudio and it was kind of they the back like he said he didn't know it was a hernia exactly but he's been dealing with an injury and partially that's the reason apparently he didn't win the title at the last ring of honor event against Claudio um but I mean uh, he's another one dude I love Kingston but he's he's partially injured you know we're talking about Ray Phoenix with the hip He's been going and jumping from New Japan, coming to GCW, going back to to AEW, then Ring of Honor, and I mean, just working nonstop. So, if if he needs a break, he needs a break, and when he comes back, just like Ray Phoenix, uh, just like Drew McIntyre, wherever he comes, I think that the audience will be very happy that he's back because we just love Kingston, man. He's New Yorker Dusty Rhodes, so I hope he gets well. And, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, Eddie's going to be out for a while. I don't know what the time period is for hernia, but that doesn't sound like something you just get the fuck over. Well, it usually requires surgery, so I would think he'd be out for at least a couple months. Yeah, he is getting surgery on it. I mean, he sat on this since September. I don't know if he's like Dusty in that regard of just not liking doctors, but... I guess finally he went after dealing with with it for so many months. I've never had a hernia, but they like don't they like explode? <laughs> I heard from what he described, like, he said it was a it was a pain that started. It, it feels like your te- your testicles are in your stomach. That sounds fucking terrible. 
Yeah, I, and I know that I, like I've seen muscle, but like muscle, like uh, strongmen or muscle builders, or I don't know what you could like the the, the pro atlas people that do professional lifting have hernias like come out of their stomach or whatever, which is pretty disgusting. Um, so maybe he thought he was fine, and then that happened, and he was like, "Oh shit, I am definitely not fine." <laughs> You know what I mean? So yep. that's uh that's crazy, but I, I don't know what the recovery time on something like that is, but that sucks for Ring of Honor. He's probably one of the fan favorites there. Him, Joe, um Mark, Mark Briscoe. Those were kind of the names they were starting to build that show around. Yep. Uh like I said, I hope Eddie gets over his stuff and we see him come back. Uh, in the future, stronger and ready. And so just get better. Does not sound good if you're saying it sounds like your testicles are in your stomach. That sounds fucking horrible. So, uh, but let's. Did you want to mention about testicles and stomachs? <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, did you have Thunder Rosa on this? Did you see I her interview? I didn't hear the interview and I, I completely forgot to make a tab about that, but. I don't know if she's not coming back or not. I don't know if that's what you're about to tell me, but I know she had a big meeting with the women's locker room and apologized apparently to all of them. And that was really well received by the locker room itself. Did she find out if her injury will keep her out permanently? So she's apparently had to have two epidurals. She didn't go into detail about what her injury is, but she's had multiple uh, MRIs and, She's been out for a while. That was an actual injury. It was originally reported that it wasn't an injury, if you remember correctly, that it was like a mental break, but apparently yeah, it was. I think it was some uh, female superstar that we actually watched on Access kind of make that rumor, uh, talk about it a lot with the female locker room. Doesn't have to apologize a lot, but, you know, whatever. She's the doctor or the dentist or whatever the fuck. So turns out she has been really been injured. She's been traveling with the company for a while because she's on the Spanish announce desk. But when she got back into the ring, um, she re-aggravated it. So she's going to be out for a little bit longer. But the kind of the coolest thing is like one, her coming and apologizing to the locker room, which I don't we don't know all the details about this, but I'm not sure why Thunder Rosa is apologizing anyways. But uh, yeah, apparently she apologized and that went well with the locker room. But she also said that, you know, it's it's important for me to support the people that are currently carrying the brand. And, I, you know, even if, if we don't like each other, I want us to be able to have good matches with each other. So I thought that was kind of cool that she came out and said that. And we will hopefully see her in the future. But she re-aggravated whatever injury she had working out in the ring to get ready to come back. So that's still up in the air, and we still don't know exactly what the injury is. I'm assuming whatever it is sucks really bad because getting like an epidural—that's what they give you when you're like pregnant, yeah, <laughs> and about to have a child. So I'm assuming whatever it is was pretty fucking bad. Yep, and, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there is two separate rosters, if Miss Brett Baker is on one of them and Thunder Rosa, when she returns, is on the other one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you're Jamie Hayter, you want to be on the Thunder Rosa roster. <laughs> Get away Probably from do. Britt Baker. <laughs> God, she just comes off. She's extremely, like, I like this show. 
Uh, I think Sammy thinks a little bit too highly of himself and his position in the company and his girlfriends. No offense to them, but uh, he comes off very human. But Britt Baker, what a badass when it comes to a boss chick. Uh, But she also comes off like a fucking uh, Hulk Hogan. Just uh, politicking and talking shit and causing crap constantly. Yeah, I mean, she has a lot of control, too, over the uh, division itself. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just going to take the just go straight storyline with it. Jamie Hayter and her don't need to be anywhere near each other anymore. I don't think it it helps either of them. They need to finally butt heads. Like, I don't know why the fuck they haven't done that and pulled the plug on that. Uh, They're they're saving it for Wembley. (laughs) But they're going to do a draft before then. Because Punk is supposed to be back in June, what, June 21st, the first Chicago show. That's what everyone has him slated for. Which also, if I have to hear this motherfucker talk about how great Chicago is again, I'm turn. I'm not going to watch that episode. Just a heads up to everyone out there. Dane will have to do the full recap by himself on that one. Because I cannot take another 10-minute punk. I um, love Chicago. Chicago's the best promo. If they had... Um... Oh, man. Uh, Mike. God dang it. Guy from Atlanta. Why the hell rapper? Um, Killer Mike? Yeah, yeah. So, like, he can go over Chicago, but then Killer Mike comes out and puts over Atlanta. Would you be okay with that? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> if, there's okay. an out, if there's an outcast performance, <laughs> then maybe. <laughs> no, no, it's just – it's the same promo every time they do the Chicago thing. I don't I don't give a shit about Chicago. I'm sorry, people that live in Chicago. I just – you know, as someone who doesn't live in Chicago, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, but I mean MJF kind of does the same thing whenever he's in New York City. And I mean fucking – we just talked about it. Britt Baker is going to do the same thing in Pittsburgh when we get there next week. All right, but, but the, the big difference is MJF is your current champion. and you know, he's not doing his third comeback. Yeah, that's a good point. No, 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 I get it. I get it. Um, you could, you could make a comeback in a, a different city. You might help sell out that building. If you announce that CM Punk is coming back in like, you know, Wichita or something, Chicago is going to do well. Either or is what I'm getting at. I don't know that you need to do it there, but they probably will. I get what you're saying. They just want to pop the house. Um, and last thing, uh, speaking about the women's division, do you think that they presented um, the outcasts before they had the name the outcasts of N.W. Ho? <laughs> you don't have to sell that. You don't have to sell that. No, I have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Rebellion. This is on tomorrow night. I think Triple Mania is on tonight, uh, so I might be checking out both those pay-per-views. We'll go down the card. What's the uh, what's the main event of Triple Mania? Do you know? Is it now, Vikingo versus somebody? I would assume. You know what? I'll pull that up when we're talking. I'll just start off by. It's so weird with them doing the three Triple Manias. I get what. Conan's doing. He's basically trying to have his three big events, but put the moniker of Triple Mania on all three of them so that they do well. Um, so, but that is tonight, I believe. Uh, but it's going to be weird without Phoenix. And, um, anyways, let's let's uh, let's let's 
Stay with Rebellion. I have that pulled up in another tab. We'll look at that next. So pretty good, you know, uh, match. First match, and remember, this is just listed off Wikipedia. This is not the exact matches in order, so keep that in mind. But uh, Dirty Dango, Fandango, Joe Hendry, and Santina Morella are going against Violent by Design. Uh, Diener, who is now the leader of the group, uh, Alan Angels from ATL, and uh, Sammy Callahan uh, in a six-man tag team match. Uh, Violent by Design is going to annihilate Santino Morella, who has been, Chris, as you know, the um, authority figure on Impact as of lately. Yeah, uh, I'm just excited to hear the Joe Hendry theme song again. Need more of that in my life. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it might be one of my favorite themes in wrestling because it's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> that should be a fun match. You know, I don't know who the sta- I don't know who the standout in that match is going to be, but it should be fun. Santino is going to do Santino stuff, so if you're into that. All right. Uh, then we have basically it's Impact's version of the casket match, uh, except for I think the isn't like the casket like in the ring or something like that. But the last rights match, Eddie Edwards is finally going to have to face PCO for fucking him over. And I think PCO is going to win, but I think this should be a fun match. Hey, I, I can't go against casket matches because I thought Christian and Jungle Boys was going to stink and ended up being one of the best matches on that pay-per-view card. So um, I'm sure they'll have fun with PCO. And Eddie Edwards is a good wrestler. Um, hopefully Alicia Edwards stays away because she'll probably get murdered by PCO in front of her husband. Every time I think about one of these matches and impact, though, I just think about fucking double. It was a Jeff Jarrett versus Devon <laughs> and like seven run ins. Um, yeah, I don't know. hopefully it's good. They've been really building PCO up recently on their show. I've watched some highlights and stuff. Should be entertaining. I don't really have a pick for who will win just because I'm not super invested in uh, impact at the moment as far as storylines go. So. Oh, I get it. This next match should be awesome. We got a bunch of awesome, (laughs) fast-paced wrestlers for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. The former champions, the Motor City Machine Guns, will be going against Bullet Club, Ace Austin, and Chris Bay uh, in an Ultimate X match. So their version of a ladder match with the whole thing and it being held in the middle with those four bars, you know, across... Uh, but this should be fucking bonkers. This could be match of the night, honestly. All of these guys are awesome. Um, now I, Machine I kinda, Guns I wish dropped it, the title. Can, Machine Guns dropped the title, but I don't know. I I feel like Bullet Club could actually win again. Yeah, I kind of wish this match wasn't an Ultimate X match. I don't think that they need the gimmick on top of that with the wrestlers that they have in there because these guys are fucking great. But uh, I I would hope that the Bullet Club retains just because the Motor City Machine Guns have won that title like three times in the past year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That it, they're constant for impact. They, they're kind of like what we were talking about with Okada. Put it back on the, the guns. You know, they're reliable. It, it makes uh, me sad that Chris Bay didn't come with Jay White and start like their own little crew. 
or it's something. It's so weird having Bullet Club sprinkled in all the promotions, don't you think? Yeah, it, it is, but it's uh, I don't know. If you're if you're New Japan, you're probably pissed off about this, right? Well, it, not with Impact as much, but with some of these other. Let's other face companies. it, Impact is. I mean, it should be New Japan strong, but Impact's kind of like what Ring of Honor is to AEW. I'm not going to say NXT to WWE because that would be disrespectful. That's yeah, that's an insult to NXT because they pull way better numbers than Impact. But yeah, I I like Chris Bay a lot. This uh, tag team, I mean, uh, God, what now? I'm, Ace Austin's fucking great. I've been high on him for a long time. So, like, as a tag team, that's pretty cool. The only caveat is the last tag partner Chris Bay had was uh, Switchblade Jay White, and they were awesome. They had some great matches with uh, with Motor City Machine Guns. So, if it lives up anywhere near close to that, it should be a really good match. I just don't, I, I don't even know how you do an Ultimate X tag match. The Ultimate X thing has kind of ran its course for me little bit well let's see if you'll like the fact that with the impact x division match three-way elimination match no rules trey miguel the champions going against jonathan gresham and mike bailey and i want gresham to get that title i hope that he doesn't get the title and they bring him in to to fucking ring of honor <laughs> can we settle whatever differences he had because he would be great back we in another sit down meeting <laughs> yeah let's have a sit down meeting <laughs> fix whatever problems that gresham had have him come in and uh, become that that champion so do you actually have a choice for this or no uh i mean if if he's if he's not going anywhere i would put it on gresham all right. We I, have I, mean, a, I, I do like Trey Miguel, though. So, you know, if he retains, that's not the worst thing in the entire world. All right. Um, ten man wrestling hardcore war. Chris, Tommy Dreamer, his team with Bupinder Gujar, Frankie Kazarian, Yuya Yuramura, and Killer Kelly going against. Team Bully, Bully Ray, Brian Myers, Kenny King, Masa Slamovich, and Moose. Sorry, t- sorry, Dreamer. I like a lot of the guys on your team, like Kaz and 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 Gujur, and I like Killer Kelly. I like I like a lot of them, but uh, I'm sorry, Moose, Slamovich, Bully, all on the same fucking team, and then you throw in Kenny King and Brian Myers. Uh, I think Bully's gonna win, man. This should be fucking ridiculous, though. Masa Slamovich will have blood coming out of her head, and she'll be screaming bloody murder like a warrior at some point. <laughs> I can't choose against uh, Team Bully because they have Masa. That's my wife's favorite wrestler, so I'm going to go, go. With team, team Bully as well. What a fucking team. <laughs> what a randomly put together team. Like, uh, why is Brian Myers part of this? What was the storyline that got Brian no Myers idea. involved with? I love Brian Myers, but that's a that's a weird group of. <laughs> that's the Dreamer team almost makes more sense, but I kind of like the weird grouping of Bully's team. It's like he just went around back and found random fucking people. Hey, you guys want to fucking fight later on? Sorry, I can't do Bully's fucking New York accent. It's so thick. Uh, kind of like him, but on, hey, he's always giving fucking Tommy Dreamer shit. 
poor guy. <laughs> he, he's got a fat ass and a bad attitude, I heard. So. <laughs> I'm never going to get over that promo. It sounded better with the Dusty-ism. Uh, Anyways, so the, the last two matches, it's very interesting, and especially hearing um, Deanna Prazo, she was on uh, Busted Open, speaking about Bully giving Tommy Dreamer shit. But they were talking to her about this match and the fact that her new husband, Steve Macklin, was supposed to be going against whoever won between Kushida and Josh Alexander for the title, whoever won that. Josh obviously was injured, had to give up the title. Um, Kushida, I forgot who he beat at the last pay-per-view, but now he's going against Steve Macklin for the vacant title. Unfortunately, as we reported last week, Mickey James, last uh, this last Thursday, had to uh, vacate her title due to injury. So she was supposed to be going against Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo in a triple threat. Deanna is going against Jordan Grace for the vacant title. We have two past champions. We have Steve going against Kushida. So the, the cool thing about this, and I really do think it's going to work out this way. I love Kushida. If he, if he wins, I'll be happy as hell. But I think it would be cool if Steve Macklin beats Kushida and Deanna Perrazzo beats Jordan Grace. And they're like some power couple champions. And eventually whenever, and I don't know if they're scheduled to come back around the same time. I don't know the exact uh, extent of their injuries. But when the, 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 the question that was proposed from Tommy, who's, by the way, one of the main writers for Impact, to Deanna was, no, you have Mickey who just had to give up her title. Josh has to give, had to give up his title. If you and your husband, Steve, end up winning against these two, uh, which you have two huge opponents in front of you, you'll both have the titles, but you never beat the champion for the title. And Deanna has not beat Mickey James. That's been something that she's been trying to do. She's beaten Jordan before in the past, never beat Mickey James. This would be Steve's first championship win at Impact. So when they come back, if they're close, are they going to have to deal with those champions coming back for the belt? It just adds intrigue to the storyline overall. It's unfortunate that both Josh and Mickey have to take a break for a while, but I would put it on Steve Macklin, Deanna Prazo, I guess is what I'm saying. I think I'm okay with that. I would actually look at Mickey when Mickey James comes back. Does she come back with her husby? Hubby. Ooh, you get Nick Aldis going up yeah. for Steve Macklin's title. I, think I love that. that would, be, uh, would be interesting. Not anything against Josh Alexander. I think that he's fucking phenomenal. Um, he does have a little bit of a fucking injury history here, though, on impact with long periods of time that he's had to be out. So that sucks yeah, because I think he's their biggest homegrown star, maybe outside of Moose. I was about to say the same thing, man. I mean, when you think of impact, you think of, I feel like Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo, Moose, and um, Josh Alexander. Maybe you could throw Eddie Edwards outside. last one. But. Yeah, I was going to say outside of legacy wrestlers like Eddie Edwards, Motor City Machine Guns. Um, Maybe a Sammy no, Callahan. Sammy Callahan, Sammy. those kind of guys. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm down for that. It just, if you're going to have some, you know, two injuries for your major champions, the fact that you have potential for stuff is a good thing to come out of that, you know. So the, I guess it's silver lining for both situations. And honestly, I know that they're overloaded over at AEW, but 
I just feel like when Josh comes back, man, he needs to go to either WWE or AEW whenever his contract's out of impact. I think he's that good. It's like you said, it was like, dude, him and Ethan Page were tag team champions for a long time. And then he got injured. So that kind of uh, abrupted the ending of that. Then he comes back. He wins the title. He has that for a long time. And then he gets injured and he had to drop the title. So hopefully that doesn't plague him going past this. But him being a fucking dominant force, even if he has to go through NXT into WWE, you know, onto Raw or SmackDown would be awesome. And he'd be a great force there. But if you put him over at AEW, I'd put him with Ethan Page because to me, the North was one of the best tag teams in the last couple of years. So um, they could have great matches and give fucking Ethan Page something to do. And then eventually you can split Josh off. They could rival and then you could push Josh as a baby face. I don't know. That's just what I, that's what I, I, I think Josh Alexander is an excellent wrestler. I really do. Uh, I do as well, and so do a lot of people in the AEW locker room, because they were trying to sign him like quite a while back. Remember, I think like Brandy Rhodes even brought it up when she was uh, feuding with whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Uh, he, he runs a mixed martial arts gym. Why can I not think of him? Oh my name? god, what the fuck is his name? Uh, their fucking gym is here in Gwinnett, and I can't think <laughs> think of his name to oh. save my life. But she brought up Josh Alexander specifically as someone that they had been looking to try to sign from Impact for a while because he was kind of playing like uh, with Ethan Page and, and Scorpio that, you know, Impact versus AEW. That storyline went nowhere, but his name was dropped there and it's been talked about in the past. I would prefer Josh Alexander to go to AEW. I think he would get lost in the shuffle in WWE. Just because he doesn't have the superstar look. Mostly, I think I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. And they have a lot of guys like that. Like they have, like I, I like Chad Gable a lot, but they have him. They have um, who are the brothers? They're like the Steiner brothers over in NXT right now. I can't remember their names, but they're like wrestling oriented. They also have Gable Stevenson, who, by the way is thinking about actually going back to the Olympics and trying to get the gold medal again. So uh, WWE is giving him an open contract. So if he wants to do that, he can do that. But he's been training and now he's thinking about going to the Olympics. But his his brother also, so they have a lot of wrestlers. They're very wrestler heavy, that type of concept. Who who was the guy that was just on AEW? He feuded with, um, he was part of Brian Danielson's like quest to, base mj uh like they've gotten rid yeah they've gotten rid of like catch wrestlers and shoot wrestlers that kind of have the same look as josh alexander and a similar wrestling style in wwe so i would just prefer for him not to go there i think he'll just get kind of lost in the shuffle i'm kind of selfish i just want to see the north go against ftr (laughs) i really do that'd be amazing i'm down for that like like you said put him with ethan page why not that helps their tag division, which is kind of in a weird spot right now with various injuries and the fact that they started trying to do a trios fucking championship. Yep. All right. So I found out um, this is tomorrow. So <laughs> Impact and Triple Mania might be doing a, a double watch. Uh, but let's see on this card. Yeah, Vikingo's going against Rich Swan and Swerve Strickland and Commander. 
for the Mega Championship. Well, that's match of the night. Uh, I <laughs> kind of want on the card, but that's uh, fucking crazy. <laughs> I kind of want fucking Swerve to win. I think that would be awesome. But I love Rich Swan and Commander. From what I've seen of him on uh, AAA and also uh, uh, AEW lately, he's fucking great. If the KO keeps it, I mean, he is. Uh, I just still can't believe this title has never been around Pentagon's waist, but that's just me. I know he's in another match. Um, but yeah, uh, Swerve Strickland. That's who I would like to see win the Mega Championship. That's their, that's their, that's their big match, man. I'm okay with Vikingo retaining here, but it should be okay. a fucking amazing match. I don't want to see Commander with it because I think he's going to get signed to AEW. And uh, yeah, but same thing with Swerve. Like. Do- Chris, <clears throat> sorry, yes, yeah, yeah, sorry, it dropped for a second. My internet dropped for a second. Um, yeah, so I don't want to see them put it on Swerve just because. Do they really need to put the AAA title on people that are not AAA <laughs> superstars? That goes back to the Kitty Omega thing, but that's like I, they don't treat their titles the same way as other companies. It's not as important. It's more mask and hair. That's more important than the titles in AAA, as far as I can tell, I guess, as an outsider looking into that company through their pay-per-views. Listen to this match. Um, Pentagon is teaming with Alberto El Patron to go against, who I like, Sam uh, Adonis, that's um, Corey Graves' brother, and Psycho Clown. Penta, keep yourself away from fucking Alberto, and why the hell is he getting fucking put on anything major? Uh, I mean, he's a big name still, specifically in Mexico. So, Put Cain Velasquez in his fucking place. He killed a fucking dude that did some terrible shit, and thank God got out of jail. Not that piece of crap. Who fucking... (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Alberto de, de Patron. Alberto Del Rio, not a fan. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, this is because Ray Phoenix is hurt, right? So, Yeah, you're right. So they're probably just trying to throw some big name in there. And they have a lot of other matches. I mean, they have like a 10-man steel cage match that has like Laredo Kid and uh, La Parca Negra and just like a whole bunch of Taurus. And then they also have, like, Blue Demon Jr.'s old ass is teaming with DMT Azul. So, Blue DMT. Sounds like a drug. Uh, going against Roosh and L.A. Park. Old ass L.A. Park. So, that should be uh, interesting. <laughs> Hear uh, me yeah. out on this. If if I if I was uh, Pentagon, maybe you'd bring over fucking Evil Uno to be your partner. <laughs> or someone, you know, like some random person. I think it would be a good trade-off for AEW, and then Triple A can get a guy in there with him that's, like, relevant. Maybe not relevant to Mexico, but relevant in, Or Bandito. Bandito would be great. Yeah, there you go. Do something like that as opposed to... I I would just still clear of... It's also a different culture, so I, I don't know. Yep. I would steer clear of being any, I mean, even as a wrestler, Alberto Del Rio, Alberto uh, Patron, 
has not been the easiest person to work with, even just from a booking standpoint. So I think I would uh, just kind of steer clear of him. As far as the stories I've heard, uh, going back to his original run in WWE. Yeah, he just always seems like a piece of shit. Yeah, seems like a big fucking, you know, clown dick face nerd. Douchebag. Douchebag. Fucking douchebag. Fucking asshole over here. So I mean, didn't he just recently kidnap someone like a year ago? How is he not in jail? It's the I don't know, man. This guy must have a great fucking lawyer. Like, <laughs> if I ever get in trouble, can you get me the contact of Alberto Del Rio's lawyer? Cain Velasquez kills a fucking child molester that messed with his child. Gets put in jail. Thankfully, gets out of jail. Alberto El Patron is on triple mania. Let that sink in. Like I said. Yeah, I'm not over here judging like which crime is worse. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I get, oh. I get, I get where you're going. I know, get what you're going for, but like maybe don't book either of them. <laughs> That's also a choice. Nah, Kane's a hero for doing that shit, man. Fuck that. Yeah, we're, well, that we'll get into the. Uh, I guess that would get way into like, yeah, but murder's still like wrong. <laughs> I don't know, man. If he does, if he does, if you do something to my kids, oof. No, you castrate him. You don't have to necessarily murder the guy. <laughs> That's a good point. Should have castrated him, Kane. Anyways, uh, let's make him make him make him live as a fucking eunuch. <laughs> like, there's a what I'm saying is there's other <laughs> forms of justice. Chemical castration. It's one of them. Can do that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. We'll 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 we'll, we'll uh, talk more about those details later. Of I don't know what the fuck I'm going for with this. Let's talk about some of the highlights on this crazy Monday Night Raw. This was a, a week, man. They have built up Solo Sokoa over the last month, but especially on these last couple shows. I mean, he obviously there's interference with his brothers, but he takes out Kevin Owens, who because of the plane delays, luckily, and apparently this actually happened, where they were able to get Sammy and, and Matt Riddle, who got there just in time to be able to make the ending uh, where they had it, where you know they came out and saved Kevin, but he also beat Matt Riddle last night. And I just, I really fucking like Solo Sokoa. He's even talking slightly, but it's like, kind of a Jake the Snake type of concept where it's very uh, low and, 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 and not calm, but like where you have to listen, but it's very direct. And the dude just reminds me of Samoa Joe and his uncle Umaga. And they call him the Enforcer, which is a fucking great name for the group since the last, you know, Enforcer was a guy named Arn Anderson. But he's still green, Chris, but I think that the credibility in building him, he is a really fucking fun guy that kind of like how I feel like would hook a little bit with AEW. He's going to be a fun guy to watch uh, grow within uh, wrestling in the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think he's going to get a lot better just based on the people they have him working with, right? Like, if you're working matches with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and and, and Matt Riddle, I think you're going to get pretty good at wrestling pretty quick as far as the in-ring stuff goes. But he has a fucking presence. I like the, uh, like you said, I like the promo. I like that they're letting him talk a little bit. The enforcer gimmick is cool. The funny thing is the actual enforcer right now is Brock Lesnar, even though he's not part of their group. 
<laughs> since he's the one out here trying to kill Cody Rhodes, but uh, maybe that's what they're going to do. Fucking Brock Lesnar is the new member of the bloodline. <laughs> I, I'm joking, but I kind of want to see that now. <laughs> I think he's in cahoots with Paul Heyman. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, I don't think Roman knows about what Paul got him to do, but... I think Brock is doing this for whatever reason, which we'll find out from something involved with Paul. Maybe the Canadians are in cahoots. There you know, you Brock go. is an honorary Canadian by having a ranch there and Sammy and Kevin hiring their enforcer, Brock Lester. <laughs> to take out Cody? To take out everybody in their way. Oh, <laughs> All okay. of America. It's going to be a Heart Foundation type thing. I thought you said Mall of America. I was like, can we do that? Can we do a show at Mall of America again? Dude, that would be amazing. <laughs> do any like small indie companies do that? Like, you should if you don't. I don't first, know because first Nitro rest, wrestling was so big, like big where during did, that time period. I, where did WWE do theirs? Was it also at the Mall of America where Undertaker gave the tombstone on the fucking escalator to Triple H? Oh, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Mall of America was the, was the biggest mall in the United States for a while. I don't know if it still. Y'all got made... nothing on Mall of Georgia. <laughs> yeah. That, the fun, the crazy thing about that—that's the debut of Lex Luger in uh, WCW, yep. if I remember right, right? Yep. And also Pasta Mania. Wrapping <laughs> it full circle, back. they had a Pasta Mania in the Mall of America. That's probably why they did a show there. Hogan worked out a deal where they could talk about Postmania a lot, brother. All right. Um, what else happened on there? Like I said, it was kind of a rush show. You could tell with the fact that, you know, they didn't have Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley, but they had Ray and Finn Balor, man. Him and Ray had a great fucking match. Finn Balor has staples in his goddamn head. Him and Don Callis. Both recently have looked like they had uh, a, the woman's anatomy on their friggin' either face or fucking head, you know, uh, from getting split open so it's bad. Dis- but disgusting, disgusting. Don Callis is his worst though, because it was like across the middle of his forehead. I'd rather have it like on where my hair is gonna kind of cover it up. Ugh, I'd rather just not have it. But him and Rey Mysterio won, and. Um, you know, it's all setting up Rey Mysterio and Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico against Damian Priest and um, and Dominic, which I think will be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, good matches on it. <laughs> Here's something we need to talk about. So Lita is found in the back. They're doing some other type of segment, but you hear commotion. Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are screaming for help because they found Lita messed up. Uh, I don't know if, like, Lita... Like, it didn't look like she was that banged up. Like, she was dizzy and shit like that. But, like, you know, then Becky and and Trish come out. Becky calls out them, their opponents. Like, they're probably the ones that did it. They were like, no, we had nothing to do with it. And Becky doesn't know what to do. You know, now they're not going to have a championship match. And... I don't know if you can do free bird logic if you guys have only been in a tag team once together. That's not really a unit or a faction or anything like that, but whatever. 
Trish decides to step up to help out Lita or help out Lita and Becky and team with Becky to defend those championships against Raquel and Liv. Well, we've seen little things in the past, certain ways that Trish has looked at Becky and Lita behind their back, kind of proposing a heel turn. People have been saying that and seeing that for a while before Mania. And uh, I guess this is where we're going to do it. I just would not have done it the way they did. Uh, why the fuck did Trish lose the match? Wouldn't it be, especially if she's helping Becky, that Becky ends up causing the loss and Trish is like, you fucking rookie. And then she takes it out on her. Like, I didn't understand that logic. I don't think the feud is Trish and Becky. I think the feud is Trish and Lita. Yeah, which a lot of people are assuming it might be a double retirement match at SummerSlam. Cool. I have no problem with that. But I, I, I still feel like for Trish to turn, why did she turn when she's the one who got rolled up and lost? Oh, she's tired of hearing she helped, Becky's She helped mouth. Becky throughout the whole match. <laughs> Maybe like Becky, I don't heel, know. You, 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 you hang out like we've seen a bunch of times, and you get the hot tag, and as soon as the hot tag happens, then you fucking turn on them. Like, oh, I don't know. It was just weird. I, I mean, it could just be that she was upset at herself for losing. Okay. Well, I'm down to have Trish back as a heel, though. I think heel Trish was awesome. So if that's where they're going and we get babyface Lita and Trish, um, potentially at SummerSlam or wherever, all right, I'm down. fine with it i just don't understand why the tag titles had to be involved i guess that's the the bigger question yep uh match of the night i think was the usos and the alpha academy thought they had an awesome match usos winning but i still do like the alpha academy uh, i like both guys i like chad gable as a worker i like otis as a character uh bobby lashley and bronson reed uh the double count out god it just it, to me I mean, what they did in the ring wasn't that impressive. They didn't have enough time, and then they ended up on the outside, and then they got counted out together. But couldn't you have fucking put this fast track for WrestleMania for Bobby and just had him and fucking Bronson Mead, two big men slapping meat? I don't know. I'm just saying. But I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of them. They had to like have 50 people to fucking break them up, and they're two monsters. So, hey, man, I like kaiju movies, you know? I, yeah, it just sucks for Bronson Reed, though, because he's going to fucking lose. <laughs> yeah. And Bobby does need a win, so I don't I don't think that that's – I think that's where they have to go. Yeah, you're right. They've just kind of done a bad job of building Bronson Reed. Like, even in the elimination chamber, he wasn't, like, one of the last people standing. Um, yeah, that's weird. I wonder if he's – thinking about his decision to come back to wwe because he was having like a pretty good run in other places yep he was kind of like becoming new japan's next band man bigelow and he left uh last big thing to talk about i think chris off raw cody rose challenging brock lesnar i mean this kind of goes into something else but i watched on Monday, I watched the AEW two-hour biography about Dusty Rhodes. Great fucking documentary. Probably 
I would say, if not the number one, like number two or three. Really goes in depth into it. I wish that they put this much fucking work in this documentary as they did it for Jerry Lawler's one hour. Let's skip over every fucking rivalry he had besides Andy Kaufman and skip right to fucking Bret Hart and WWE. Ugh. You know, not that he didn't have this huge organization, him and Terry Funk, him and Adrian Street, him and Macho Man Randy Savage that put Savage on the fucking map, him and Bobby Eaton, nothing. Okay, whatever. But for this documentary, I will say, really well done. I loved everything with the family. Cody was great in it. Dustin was so damn emotional in it. Um, uh, Did you get a chance to watch that documentary, Chris? I know you loved it. I love Dusty. I've not watched the new documentary yet, um, mostly because I've watched a lot of Dusty documentaries. I know this one has new footage with Cody and stuff, and that's interesting. I think a lot of the reason you're getting some of those older feuds and, and things that they're talk, talked about is they've already done the research on them because they released like a three DVD documentary of Dusty Rhodes seven well, or eight years ago. But it was definitely not as good as this. I'll just put it this way. I don't know if this will sell you or not. Jim Cornette said this is the best WWE documentary they've done in a very long time. Just period. So I thought it was as good as – see, I yeah, I like this last Ric Flair one, but I actually like the 30 for 30 Ric Flair the best, and I love the Andre one. I'll put it up there with those two. Okay. I mean, I'm, I plan on checking it out. I just haven't watched it yet. I've, I've heard good things. Um, well, but as far as why it's, like, longer is – I mean, Dusty's career in WWE is a lot fucking shorter than, yeah. you know, the Kings. Yep. They tend to focus on the WWE stuff, so let's see. Well, uh, this one, they they focused on everything. NWA, Crockett, him and the Horsemen. They did all of his, like, a lot of his major promos and lined it up chronologically. And within it, I didn't know that he went against Billy Graham for the WWE title before he went against Harley for the NWA title. That was a very cool tidbit. Um, So he went for one of the major titles, lost it, and then got the other big one, and then lost it shortly after that, and then didn't get it again and kept on with Ric Flair. Think about this concept. The biggest heel in the company who has his own group, and the first time he goes against Dusty, he loses. And the second time, they fucking get him in a goddamn steel cage and break his leg. You know, and there starts an actual riot. And then he finally beats Rick <laughs> Flair a year later for that title. And the place go banana, as Pat Patterson would say. So I don't know who that yeah, sounds it- like, but... uh. Probably one of the greatest storylines in wrestling history, the... the- Horseman versus Dusty Rhodes, breaking the, they broke what a cinder block across his leg. If yeah. I'm remembering correctly, inside of the cage. They also do this later yeah, on to uh, climbing the cage to get in to help Dusty. That's how much <laughs> yeah. they loved it. Dusty is one of the greatest baby face, if not the greatest baby face of all time. So it's I, I'm looking forward to watching it. I just ha- I haven't gotten there yet. There's been a lot of hockey. Devils are in the playoffs, oh, yeah. man. I got you, man. I I will. uh, My wife loves these A&E documentaries. It's kind of her favorite wrestling thing that we watch. So we probably will sit down and watch 
a good chunk of them in one sitting, which will be fun. But uh, love it, baby. You know, yeah. one thing. Uh, it's got a lot of love from some of the biggest wrestlers, especially both Ric Flair and and Hulk Hogan are like, we wouldn't be anything without Dusty. I mean, both of them say that many times. Um, he just was larger than life, and uh, it's got yeah. Hogan's a fucking shit bag though, so his opinion means nothing <laughs> to me as far as. Uh, his treatment of Dusty over the years, especially when Dusty was in WCW, that that one would I just that's laughable. But uh, Ric Flair obviously had a lot of work with Dusty over the years, and and the biggest parts of their career. Well, Ric Flair had he had a resurgence in WCW, but the uh, the biggest parts of Dusty's career definitely were around stationed around Ric Flair. It's weird that, like, do you think of, when you talk about the Lawler one being only, only an hour, is it because they just don't have enough footage from Memphis? Probably. I just wish that the specific feuds, because the Macho Man, if you don't have Macho Man Randy Savage calling out, I forgot what they were at that time period, but Memphis on his dad's fucking, you know, much more outlaw promotion over by Cincinnati and him keep on talking shit about Jerry and finally Jerry being like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Let's get him over here. We'll do some matches, do some business. And then everyone sees the Macho Man Randy Savage for the first time. And then from there, he's working with some of the big workers that, you know, Jerry has been working with. They didn't really talk about him and Bill Dundee. It's like, what? That's him and Terry Funk. They, they barely went over. The coolest thing that was said on that Another thing by Ric Flair, it said that there is no guy from that time period in wrestling that has a win against Hulk Hogan, myself, and Andre the Giant. Jerry beat all of us. Yeah, well, Jerry was booking it, so I got <laughs> And he beat Andre because of a count out, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... I, I mean, you you cannot admit the Terry Funk Jerry Lawler storyline though. It's one of the greatest feuds of all time. That you fucking took my Lawler, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> empty arena uh, match, but it's incredible. Stuff. If you good wanted stuff. to be a superstar, you have an empty arena match with Terry Funk and just hit him with shit. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, you can throw that that other legend. He beat Terry Funk too. By the way, I'm sorry to go on a tangent, but. <laughs> I did not know about the angle during Funk and Flair's feud after he took him out after the Steamboat match that Terry and Ric Flair says that he had no idea Terry was going to do this. Terry took a fucking plastic bag after a match that Ric Flair was at and fucking put it over him. And I think he was trying to knock him out. We're not sure. And like Rick's like talking about it like recently. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't don't know. Terry might have been trying to kill me. That was Terry. Like. (laughs) <laughs> he was Terry Funk when he got on the ring. But yeah, I watched the footage and I'm like, this would, they got, they almost got kicked off of TBS because of this. He just yeah. gets in the ring. He's got a plastic bag. He puts it over fucking player's head <laughs> and is like trying to choke him and bring him to the ground while people are trying to get him off of him. Maniac. That's great. Maniac. I mean, that's, that's what's great about Terry Funk. He's the best. He's favorite. Great. My favorite. I love Terry. He's well, getting, Getting back to the whole Dusty, me having that in me and then watching Cody, who was on that documentary heavily, you know, his promo, my God, 
he might have bigger words and he might not make up his own words like Dusty did. And he remind remind me in a lot of ways, like I've said before, of certain stuff of Sting and, and other wrestlers. But God dang, he's his dad's son. And, you know, that crowd, every time he came to a point, loud applause. And I really feel like this is all going to be the big, you know, turning point, I think, for WWE fans. If he loses to Brock Lesnar, I think everyone's fears are confirmed. But if he beats Brock Lesnar, let's see where the story goes. Because he had me captivated. I loved everything that he said. I loved him admitting that he's scared of Brock Lesnar. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to fight him. Uh, You know, putting over the fact that he's a conqueror. And that he's a predator. And that he looked at, you know, John Cena as prey. And Randy Orton as prey. And all these great wrestlers. Originally, The Rock and Hulk Hogan took him out both back to back. They were prey to him. All the audience members, they're prey. He is the alpha male. But in him saying, like, this is the first time after I beat him, he's going to look in the mirror and see – or no, 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 see uh, prey instead of predator when he looks in the mirror. I just thought – I don't know. Cody to me – and there were a lot of good promos this week. I loved everything with Darby and MJF. I loved FTR last night. Uh, but I think that Cody, once again – proves that when you get him on the microphone, you get some passion in him. He's just like his daddy, man. He's the son of a son of a plumber. Yeah, I thought Cody's promo was was excellent as for all the reasons that you just pointed out. The uh we'll see if the gamble pays off of him losing to Roman cuz like you said, if he loses to Brock, it's Boy, over. It's I over, baby. I think that they will lose the crowd completely. And maybe they know that. And in having him beat Brock, especially if it's like Brock's send-off, because we don't know where Brock's at with his contract and if he's going to resign or, or what, having him beat Brock does set him up as, like, the biggest badass because, uh, you know, it took, like, seven interferences to beat him at Mania. Then he beats Brock clean. Um, I get it. I wouldn't have done it, but it, it will at least get the crowd back behind him if he beats Brock. I'm worried that he's not going to be Brock. <laughs> that's, the, that's the fucking worry. Nothing about the promos from either of the guys or what they're going to do in the ring. The worry is that they're going to be like, yeah, so anyways, Brock's going over. Uh, we're going to do Brock versus Roman. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that retreaded. Or they're going to do what I think will be the worst thing to do at this point because they've been they've had several ways to split the titles from Roman leading into this. The draft happens before the next pay-per-view, and they rip one of the titles off Roman without him losing it. Mm. And then they just get, like, Cody versus Brock is one championship, and then Roman versus whoever is one championship, and they just put them both on separate brands. Which, hopefully, they don't do that, but I could I could also see them doing something like that, unfortunately. Yeah, that's it's it's worrisome, man. It really is. Um, we'll have to see. I will say, I don't know who Roman's next opponent is. Obviously, it's not going to be Cody, and I hope it's not Brock Lesnar. So he needs someone to... to I mean, we, he has a limited schedule, so it's not as big of a deal. But I will say, if... I guess I'll say regardless, but I think Cody should beat Brock Lesnar 
since he just re-signed a contract, Chris, I would love a feud with this version of Cody, this big baby face, going against a very arrogant prick, Logan Paul. Also, good up on WWE for getting him to stick around again. I really do like Logan in the WWE, even if he is a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, but the great heel. I've actually He's came around on. I'm not going to watch any of his YouTube shit, but good for him. <laughs> Would you like uh, to see him and uh, him and uh, Cody go back and forth? Yeah, I think that would be really good. I don't think that he deserves it, really, or has earned it. Like in storyline, he needs to get some wins. I would give him a few wins before I did that. He just lost to Seth. I mean, I think the cap. Like the thing is, you can't put Seth against. Uh, can't really put Seth against Cody again, but maybe you could put Seth against Roman. Well, Roman said that he didn't say for next year or anything like that, but he said that him and Seth have a goal of headlining a WrestleMania eventually. Like he wants that to be a match within his career. Like I said, they got I, that Sean and uh, Triple H relationship. I thought they could have gotten there like earlier after Cody was injured i thought that's where they where it was headed because at they, that time they period, had such we an go excellent back. match at fucking royal rumble last year we we all forget seth doing the head games as the baby face and romans or as the heel and romans kind of borderline like he was for the longest time and seth coming out in the fucking shield outfit through the audience like i thought that was a good match and i would like to see now opposite romans a full-fledged heel everyone hates him seth's Somehow making this whole thing work, yeah, put them put them against each other a couple more times. But I mean, the only thing that sucks, Seth's gonna lose. <laughs> I mean, the other thing for Cody is uh, gets over the obstacle of Brock. Is the next obstacle Randy Orton? Could be. Don't know when the Viper's coming back. Um, hopefully, yeah. uh, Roman's not going to be going against Matt Riddle. No offense to Matt. Don't want to see <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be the worst thing ever if he goes against Matt Riddle and Matt Riddle wins? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone fucking dies in the audience. Cody fucking passes out backstage. <laughs> People would pop really hard for the initial win and then be like, oh. No one told Paul ahead of time, so he'd freak the fuck out and he just like completely collapses too. It'd be great. Fucking amazing. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But uh, I, I, I could see Randy Orton showing up on either side of this feud. That The feud is really, you know, Roman versus Cody still. There's going to be obstacles thrown in there. But uh, maybe the Orton doesn't like either of them. You know, like the, the Viper is just like, you know what? Fuck Roman. <laughs> Fuck Cody. Fuck Matt Riddle. Maybe he's going to curb stomp all of them. I want, I want Roman to drop the fact that he's now a legend or something. And then have Orton show up because you know as much as I disliked Orton you know four or five years ago the past few runs he's had have been great and uh, him getting involved with Cody and Roman in some various ways would be very 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 entertaining dude if you did a throwback where he comes out while and like big pop because Randy Orton's back and he comes to talk to Roman and they go back and forth a little bit or you could just start off like this he could just be like for a throwback, like I said, like, so you're a legend, Randy Orton, legend killer, and does the same thing he did to fucking uh, Moolah, you know, years back. 
Uh, that'd be fun. They also had another uh, rivalry episode with him and Undertaker. That was also a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I I am looking to, forward to seeing the Viper pop back up. I really am. And I don't know where he's going to be, who he's going to be siding with. If him and Matt Riddle are going to be cool as they once were, don't really care. I'd just like to see Randy pop back up because he just adds a little bit. I don't know. He just seems like he's become such a cooler dude later on in his career. Much more humble, wanting to help younger wrestlers. He, he's not a prick, I don't feel like. I think, Every interview, I think he's, he's so more, thankful. I, th- I think he's having more fun. Yeah. Because you got to remember when Randy Orton came, came in and won the title for the first time, he was the youngest champion in WWE history. Yep. So he was out there with a bunch of old heads. Now he is the old head. <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, and he's getting to hang out with people that that I mean, like, well, one, he just got to hang out and smoke weed with Matt Riddle for like a whole year. That helped a lot. <laughs> but I, it really depends on what Orton wants to do. I think that he's in a perfect situation, maybe at the draft, for instance, to show up and uh, make a big impact. Either way, they go with it. But uh, yeah, him versus Cody or Roman, I think, is. Maybe the next path. I don't, you know, they're not going to go right back to Cody and Roman. Cody's no. going to have to overcome the obstacles. Well, here's the thing with Roman, too. He's never, let, let me just say, you know, I don't think he'll ever beat either Bob Acklin uh, or, or, or Bruno's first run. But he's about to beat several others. He's about to beat Pedro Morales if he keeps it a little bit longer. He'll beat Bruno's second run, which is fucking crazy for me to say. And if he keeps it a little bit longer than that, like up to December, I think it is, he'll he'll surpass Hulk Hogan. So the only people will be Bruno's first run and, and Bob Acklin uh, if we just give him. So I, I don't know if the goal is to take the title off of him. And it could be WrestleMania next year against Cody if things go right. Or The Rock. Or The Rock. I don't want to hear that one. Oh. <laughs> I, they want the they want the Rock versus Roman, man. They do. And I, it makes a I lot of think, sense. I just think that they could get the title off of Roman before that and have that just as a big marquee match by itself without the title. That's I, my biggest know, thing. I honestly think that there's a lot of people that are just tired of seeing The Rock on TV in general. I love him, but I agree, man. And just and all then, the stuff that happened with him in DC and Warner Brothers for the Black Adam shit and – I don't know. He's definitely starting to like. He's still a fucking megastar, but you know what I'm saying. To me, he's he, he's he's no longer a wrestler. Hasn't been a wrestler for a long time. I don't care if I see him in wrestling. Doesn't do anything for me. But for a general viewing audience that may not watch WrestleMania. But if you have year, it, <laughs> if you have it, Roman has his lengthy run, and maybe not next WrestleMania. Maybe it's the one after that, and. Then then they start a rivalry building up to the next Mania, and Roman has no one to go against, so he's going against the fucking Rock, and you get the Tribal Chief versus the Great One. Like, that's fine. But keep the title, and and and, and uh, if, if the Rock goes against Roman at WrestleMania next year, guess what? Roman is going to have that title again afterwards, because the Rock ain't beating him. He ain't staying around. <laughs> yeah, but he could have to defend it two nights in a row. Which they should have done this. They should have done this year, or they should have split the titles. Like I said, you had the perfect chance to split the titles with the Money in the Bank, 
where you have Paul be like, you have to pick one. So they may do that. But do you think that that also, or they could do it during the draft. Do you think also, like I said, I doubt he'll beat Bob Backlund or Bruno San Martino, but if he holds it until next WrestleMania, he surpasses Pedro, which is coming up in the summer. He surpasses Bruno's first or second run and also Hulk Hogan's if he keeps until Mania. He'll be the third longest reigning champion of all time in WWE. He already passed Punk, right? Yeah. Because Punk passed he, one of Hogan's runs. He he passed Punk. He passed uh, Brock. Like all the other major ones. Like literally, if he gets to Mania, there's only two reigns ahead of him for Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see them holding which one he, because one of the titles he's held longer than the other one. Oh, if they split, they're not going to take the title that he's had on longer. I would, I would assume that he keeps that title. Uh, right. That, that's what I'm getting at. Is they're going to split? They could split the titles and still get him the record, and then have like a match at Mania. They'll have to shift the focus of what the major storyline is, though. That's the that's going to be the hardest thing for them because the bloodline's been carrying that fucking the WWE on their back for a while, a little bit as far as stories go. All right, well, let's move on to the land of WWE and uh, check out AEW. Go over some of the highlights. Um, thought it was a good pay per view. Actually, I thought they did a lot of good business, uh, just fleshing out stuff for the future. We had a huh, fucking crazy-ass match. What the hell would I expect less from Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland, who noted have been worked to, you know, have worked off and on together within the industry. Notably, MLW and Evolve definitely had some matches with the two of them. But all I have to say about that match, and we'll talk about the aftermath with uh, the champion coming out and Sting, but reverse Arana off the fucking apron to the ground, and right before they do it, you see Swerve Strickland do the sign of the cross. God, I was scared for him with that spot. I'm so glad that nothing happened right then and there. Because that is a... It's kind of like very similar in a lot of ways to when Rhea Ripley, I think, did the uh, suplex, the, the German suplex off the top ropes. Like, if Charlotte doesn't go all the way over, it could be really bad for her. I've seen some guys in Japan do it the other way. Looks pretty fucking painful. Uh, same thing with this, man. That's little to no era for Swerve not to get hurt, but you got Swerve and, and Darby. They did a great job. Awesome match. Just to start off. I thought it was, like I said, I like where Swerve's going. Um, it's interesting. You know, I don't know what happened to baby Brock Lesnar or the tattooed guy. Uh, but now he's with Prince Nana and and Brian Cage and doing something different, whatever. Uh, Brian Cage just resigned, I guess, um, with with uh, AEW, so that's interesting as well. But what what did you think about the match with Swerve Strickland and Darby Allen to start off uh, AEW Dynamite? I thought it was good for, uh, good for Darby. I don't know how it helps Swerve, but good for Darby. And they're continuing down the whatever the four pillar gimmick that they're going with for MJF. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I would have had, I would have personally have moved if you're going to, I don't know. I think Swerve Strickland would have been great on ring of honor as a top guy where he's kind of lost in the mix. 
uh, in AEW right now. But they're about to do a brand split, so who knows? Maybe he will be a top guy. When he came in, he was so good, then they threw him in a fucking tag team with Keith Lee. And I don't know that him and Keith Lee have recovered as far as, like, singles competitors. At the end of the night, you know, we can talk about it now. Chris Jericho and Keith Lee have their match. And it ends with Keith Lee losing because of Daniel Garcia again. No, no, no. Well, first Garcia got involved, and then Swerve Strickland knocked his ass out and went back into the audience saying that he had, you know, unfinished business with the wizard, uh, Keith Lee. That's what I'm going to call him from now on because I don't know what the hell is going on with the gray. Um, but And then, obviously, Jericho. <laughs> you can't call him the wizard in a Chris Jericho scenario, though. Oh, yeah, that's Jericho. a good point. Jericho is the wizard. Well, yeah, but Keith Lee looks like a fucking wizard that you go to a top of a mountain and find. Um, he he also just looks like a guy you'd play D and D with. <laughs> Keith Lee's the most he's the most in- intimidating he's the most intimidating looking but also nicest looking guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like Beast from X Men. <laughs> yeah, he really is like Beast from X Men. That's the best comparison of Keith Lee. I feel the same way, very similar about Big E, but I, I do love Keith Lee. Um, so him and Strickland are going to be doing something, Chris, and Jericho and Adam Cole. I mean, Adam Cole comes out, helps out Keith Lee, uh, and gives the cold shoulder to Jericho, kind of gives him an eat shit look, very much like what Jericho did to him when he came out and grabbed uh, Daniel Garcia a couple weeks ago for Adam Cole's first match back. Like I said, man, totally down for Jericho and Keith Lee or pfft, Jericho and Adam Cole. And if they want to really finish up this whole thing, finish it. But Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. Yeah, you got to get those two separated. And also, I don't want a long, drawn out fucking story with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. I'm good without that. <laughs> Yeah. Fine with a one pay-per-view match. We get there, we do the pay-per-view match, Cole wins, we're done. I don't need this thing to drag out like two pay-per-views and then them have a match at Wembley. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I want Adam Cole to do other shit uh, personally, but this will be fun for at least one pay-per-view, I, I agree. Uh, going back to it, though, you know, when we did have that match in with Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland, Darby gets the win. He's in the corner, and MJF comes out. MJF did a good job putting over Darby, talking about their match uh, a couple of years back and how great it was and how, honestly, that he's been the toughest opponent, even based off his size that MJF has gotten in the ring with, which, I mean, when you got Danielson and, and Punk in the rearview mirror, that's a huge compliment, I would say, to Darby <laughs> Allen. <laughs> well, yeah, wouldn't his toughest opponent be CM Punk, who just fucking beat him? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Oh, we'll go with that. Or, like, yeah, you remember that dog collar match? Are you sure? Because <laughs> him and Darby had a better match, like a wrestling match. I remember it. It was really good. And he ended up uh, winning with a fucking, what, what, what the hell is it called? A, uh, God dang it. I can't remember. Um, like, one of the most basic maneuvers in wrestling. But he has that weird crucifix pin, which I wish that they would take away from his repertoire of winning matches. No, I was talking about MJF. Um, I can't remember. He, oh, he, uh, a drop toe hold. 
I think is what he beat Darby with. And he told him he was going to do that beforehand. But um, this sets up. Look, I just I hate to say this. No offense to Jungle Boy and Sammy. I don't give a fuck about either one of them in this situation. To me, the money match, the new age sting Ric Flair, if you will, which was alluded to and has been talked about also by Sting, who comes out later saying he's not Darby's daddy. You know, I love Darby saying, like, no, he's not my father. I was able to, like, are you happy? Like, Darby fucking killed it on the mic. He's getting better. I don't know if Sting's just been helping him with it, but saying, are you happy, Max? And Max's like, what the hell are you talking about? Years ago, when we started, you know, you said that once you get through, you're going to become rich. Well, now that you are, now that you are the top, are you happy? Because I'm happy. Because I, I, I don't really care about all these achievements that you want to do financially. Like, I was able to help my parents retire. I was able to pay off my parents' house. Like, just coming off such like a fucking baby face, but there's reality behind it. Um, I don't know. To me, like I said, Chris, I feel like with everything said, and I love Sting coming out. I loved him going over his whole course of Stings, if you will, and giving praise to Ric Flair and, and Kevin Nash and, and, you know, putting over Scott Hall and in a long fucking way, finally saying maybe there's a little bit of Joker left in me, which they replayed for the thing. I mean, it's Warner <laughs> Brothers. So they're like, wait, Sting did a Joker gimmick? Can you do it again? <laughs> you know, but uh, I thought all of it was great. And I thought that Darby stood out and it should really be like, let's go over this four pillars, get the other ones out. And if anything, Wembley Stadium, maybe. Darby Allen against MJF for the fucking title. Or it's Sting versus MJF retirement versus the career versus title. That would be cool too. I would love that. I would, I would, and the way you do that is maybe, I don't know. They could figure it out. I guess yeah, MJF, MJF's a shitbag heel. He could run over Darby with a car or something. Beforehand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, there's ways to get there. Uh, but that's a feather in the cap. If you beat Sting and retire him too. Right, and it's ultimate way of putting over a young guy. Um, yep. They could the also just do. They could also just do Darby versus Sting for his retirement match. I think that's another good way to go. But yeah, Darby looked like a million bucks here. Uh, great promo. I think the thing the thing we forget about Darby is that he doesn't really promo that often. So the quality is going to increase if they let him actually talk. You know what I that's mean? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> Like, if you're only going to give the guy two lines every year, it's going to be hard to judge, like, whether he's a good promo or not. But, uh, yeah, here he looks really good. I mean, he, he comes off as the big baby face. And I think me and you both, if you had to pick, when we had this conversation, who's their top baby face? Who would you pick? And and, and I think me and you both said, I guess, that Darby is the top baby face for them. Yep. As far as, like, a pure good guy. Like, either him or Orange Cassidy. It's him, Orange Cassidy, and Mark Briscoe was the other, the other person that we mentioned out of like pure baby faces that the can fans really actually the audience like. behind. Yes, yes, absolutely. Speaking about Orange Cassidy, man, fucking awesome match too. Um, he had a match against Buddy Matthews, and these guys kicked the shit out of each other. I don't know if I need more between. The House of Black against the Best Friends and Orange Cassidy, but Buddy Matthews is such a good fucking wrestler. I think we forget that until he's actually in the ring. And Orange Cassidy, he is still the international championship. I can't remember or recall right on hand if 
something was set up next for him throughout the course of this uh, of this um, program. But good match. One of my uh, it was either between that match or the one with uh, Allen and uh, Strickland for me. It wasn't Powerhouse Hobbs killing Silas Young in two seconds. Or Silas. <laughs> you couldn't have picked someone else like to get destroyed like that? Oh. Uh, I, I like the Darby Allen match the best on the show, but this was this was also good. It's um I I would assume that they're setting up Bertie, uh Buddy Murphy to win the title from Orange Cassidy. Okay. Just mostly because they need baby faces. <laughs> For the heavyweight picture. Yeah. I mean, Jungle Jack Perry is not there as a baby face. And Sammy Guevara is a heel. So once he goes through Darby Allen, what's next? And you're going to split rosters. Potentially. So I don't know. I know a lot of people get really mad if Orange Cassidy is in the heavyweight title picture. But if, strap in. Because <laughs> that might be. Which will really suck for MJF's character. I don't know how you uh, – what well, do you do to get finally, in the head of Orange Cassidy? <laughs> maybe we can finally see a different side of Cassidy if he were to get into – which is very intriguing if he gets into a feud with MJF because MJF's going to be ruthless. I think there's a – we've seen in the course of a match at least Cassidy's switch from – you know, fucking with the dude and trying to get in their head and doing as little to intensity. Like it's this incredible Hulk switch. So maybe we can actually finally see him do that same thing with promos against an MJF. Or he does nothing because isn't like MJF is the guy that's like, Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. And orange Cassidy just doesn't acknowledge him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff, nonetheless. Um, trying to think of like what else was on this card. We talked about Silas Young getting murdered, and then Wardlow finally coming back and destroying Hobbs' uh, car. Did we talk about car? Did we talk about Sting's pom poms, or was that on Rampage? I can't remember. No, that was that was on that. I forgot about that, and I was trying to forget about that for the rest of my life. I loved it. Up. It was hilarious. <laughs> I like Sting doing funny things. Remember that time he had the kickoff with Orange Cassidy? That was pretty good. I want to, I'm kind of like him bringing it up. I wouldn't mind seeing a return to Joker Sting, honestly. Sure. Uh, <laughs> He's on his way out. Let Sting do whatever he wants to do. As, as a huge Sting mark, it'll all be good. <laughs> he yes. hasn't let us down yet. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I could be wrong. We also had Ruby Soho and Tony Storm beating the hell out of Sky Blue and Riho uh, until obviously they were saved by the baby faces, i.e. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, our champion. They've done this fucking five times now. Uh, um, but maybe we'll get somewhere with that whole entire thing. Is that it, or can we move on to SmackDown? Do you have any other things you'd like to talk about from Dynamite specifically? Uh, Jeff Hardy's back, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, man. I forgot. Pop of the night, Chris. So, you know, Matt Hardy is taking it to the firm. He is basically not going to put up with their shit anymore. He wants his contract on the line against a match. 
and Ethan Page being a dick, and you know they uh, Big Cass or whatever the fuck he's called in this. He comes out, you know, and uh, doesn't look good for all the other guys, Matt Hardy and his boys. And then you hear that music that everyone knows that WWE didn't trademark. Whatever. What are you gonna do? Uh, that that they can't because that's free use music. So there's like random episodes of American Pickers where they're just playing the fucking so weird. It's so weird. Well, this time, unlike the first time, Jeff Hardy does not just hang out on the ramp doing his normal thing while his brother's getting his ass kicked. He runs the fuck in the ring. He's got a chair. He's taking out everyone else. Huge pop when they hug. So we got Jeff Hardy back. He looks great. You know, it's great to have the Hardys back. From what Matt says, he's, he's you know, doing really well. I just hope he is. I don't know what else to say besides that, Chris, at this point. Punk versus Hardy. There's your Wembley match. That could be a fucking hell of a match, man. You know they would do it. Done it before. Uh, Punk can shit yep. all over Jeff Hardy and be the heel. And then I Jeff Hardy could be, the big, could be the big baby face. It's going to be really hard. There's going to be a, a split audience on CM Punk returning as a baby face in general. Within that, within the, now. yeah, within the AEW audience, there's going to be definitely a split of do we actually like CM Punk or do we hate CM Punk? Jeff Hardy would be a perfect first baby face for CM Punk just because of their history and the fact they actually really do hate each other, but they, you know, they put their differences aside and have wrestling matches. (laughs) Unlike some of the other people on this roster. (sighs) What are you going to do? All right. Well, let's let, I'm just going to tie in rampage real quick and then we'll go over the highlights for SmackDown. Um, good match with Aussie Open and Best Friends start off for the IWGP uh, Tag Team titles. I really like Aussie Open. Everything I've seen from them, they kind of remind me of like the first generation Midnight Express when it was Conjury and Bobby Eaton. So the earlier version of that. Because you have two guys that don't look anything alike, totally different skill set, but really good together. Um, and they had a good match with the Best Friends. But unfortunately, we're able to win the match. Um, just, I mean, all four of the guys are good workers. So we had this weird thing. This kind of ha- this happened on Dynamite, where Jay Lethal basically asked for help for Mark Briscoe. And since they've known each other for 20 years and they're friends, Mark agreed to it, not knowing what the fuck he was getting into. So he has to be in a match against the Hardys, Hook, and Isaiah Cassidy with Jeff Jarrett. Um, uh, Jay Lethal and Singh completely reluctant and wanting to do this uh, and they ended up winning because of cheating and you know uh, Jay was it basically seems Chris and if they do this I'm completely down and honestly maybe we could see us on Ring of Honor but it seems like we're going to be getting Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe in a feud and if that's the case I'm very down for that. If this was random and put together for no fucking reason, this equals out to nothing. Then I don't, I don't see the, uh, the reasoning for why they did that. Yeah. I mean, it equals out to nothing for dynamite programming, but for ring of honor programming, it kind of makes a lot of sense if they're going to have them feud in ring of honor. 
So you're down to see Jay Lethal long term with Mark Briscoe held up in a feud? Yeah. Or, or you know, they, you know, Mark said he's not doing any like actual tag matches, so they're gonna have to find a creative way to get there. Um. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do, how they get there, because in theory, Mark would still be trying to chase after Joe, much like everybody else on the show. Always be chasing Joe. Can we talk Joe. about how great Samoa Joe is? <laughs> yeah, he is great. <laughs> maybe that maybe I don't know. It's going to be it's cool to see because they gave us that first Jay Lethal Mark Briscoe match as a tribute match, and now they're building a feud into it. So maybe Jay wins the next one. Mark wins the one after that, the rubber match, so to speak. And that's fun. I think that's good stuff. They have great matches. So I would, I would love to see them have a longer match on a, like a ring of honor pay-per-view or something. That'd be cool. Cause you know, Jeff Jarrett's hitting fucking poor Mark in the head with a guitar. <laughs> that's gonna happen. I That's love happen. I love like, you know, before the match when they're doing the interview, everyone's like rah rah and Mark Briscoe's not down at all. And you have um oh man, um Sanjay Dutt and he's like, I've known you for years, you know, you've known Jay for twenty years. Look, like you know, San or uh Singh, he he likes to party, you like to have fun, and then like, you know, you're you're a hillbilly just like Jeff Jarrett. And like Mark's just like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Like, get away from me. But like, hey, if it like I said, if it leads to him against this heel unit, we'll see what it comes out of it. Um, but him and Jay Lethal will have great matches. So gives them they some will. But the one I'm the one I'm more excited for, really, is Jeff Jarrett versus Mark Briscoe. That would be a great match, man. I would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the one that I want to see the most out of. I, I, cause I've seen Jay lethal versus Mark Briscoe in Jay Briscoe multiple times. I, you know, never seen him against double J that'd be fun. There'd be some good looking worked punches in there. <laughs> yes. Yes. There definitely would. Um, so your girl, we had a little bit of Japan versus Mexico, uh, two legends from those areas as Emmy Sakura went against Taya Valkyrie. Really fucking hard-hitting match. Um, I've realized Emi Sakura kind of reminds me, obviously Japanese, but like a female version of like early 90s WWE Jerry Lawler. Uh, just something about her. It's like a similar energy that they have. And isn't she called like the queen I mean, of something? I forgot what her Yeah, product. I mean, she's, she trained a lot of the stardom wrestlers that you see today some of you some of even the bigger ones so even Riho, who's on this roster was trained by emmy so she's kind of the measuring stick of having a good match hey they in killed AEW. it yeah i mean she's gonna beat the absolute shit out of you though well <laughs> that's emmy the thing she definitely was shit in <laughs> she she was nailing taya but taya wasn't backing down uh inevitably taya would get the win but then jake cargill well, what prompted it, Jay Cargill and her girl, Layla Gray, or whatever her name is, uh, Leia Gray, I should say, they came to the ramp. They were trying to make sure that she wasn't going to use her Road to Valhalla, which is the exact same thing as the jaded you know, move that a lot of people use. But they they have this whole bullshit thing about, like, you know, suing her or whatever. So she does it to Amy Sakura. Um, Emmy actually uses... 
to her advantage, distraction of Jade to Taya to try to get the head of Taya, but she ended up turning that around, putting her in the road of, uh, of Valhalla, taking her out after winning. Layla Grace, like, don't worry, I got this boss. Goes in, gets her ass kicked, same thing happens to her. Jade comes in the ring, and her and Ty Valkyrie are nose to nose and start, you know, going after each other until it's broken up. But uh, I'm actually. I don't know if Taya will be the one finally to beat Jade, but this seems like just visually, you know, them standing, they're the same height. They're both big, muscular women that obviously work out a lot. This looks like it's going to be a nice bruiser match, and this looks like a person that could actually beat Jade with Taya Valkyrie. Yeah, I think there's a good possibility that Taya Valkyrie could win the match. The only caveat would be... Do you think they're going to try to pull in, say, like a Mercedes Monet and do a big win at like Wembley to break the streak? Or do you think they want them to break the streak with an actual AEW superstar? That's see, I could definitely see them, you know, wanting to have a big match like Jade and Mercedes, but. I don't know. I feel like there's other women that you could have a match even for that IWGP Women's Championship that don't have to be, you know, a champion. It doesn't have to be like it could be like an actual opponent. And there's a lot of females on that roster, so just depends. But Taya, I will say, has looked the most formidable against her, against Jade. Yeah, it's been a while. The only other person before her that I thought might be able to beat her was Ruby, right? And since then, she's just been squashing people, if we're being honest about Jade. Um, I don't know, man. Mercedes Monet beating Jade Cargill kind of makes the most sense to me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to do that. So if they can't do that, Taya Valkyrie is a good choice. I think that she's a, a great wrestler. Very underutilized in WWE. Hopefully she brings her little dog back, though. I want that gimmick back in AEW. Yeah, a little cute puppy. Well, the last match last night was a good match, but I don't know. I thought both Dynamite and Rampage had underwhelming like main events. Not that they weren't good, but I would have put them somewhere else on the card. Uh, Keith Lee and Jericho did a, they didn't have as good of a match, but it was more high profile due to the fact that it was Jericho. So we had the return of Sean Spears, who's come back from daddy duty, his wife, uh, Peyton Royce, uh, believe Casey Williams is her real name. Can't remember, but she just had a baby. So he just got back from that. But I mean, he's been obscurity for a very long time, regardless. So. Good first promo back against Jungle Boy, but then again, you're going against Jungle Boy in that scenario, so whatever. And Sean's a good guy in the ring. It just, you know, we've said it a million times before in the past. It's start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, and then he doesn't really go anywhere. So, But uh, good match. Jungle Boy won. There you go. Yeah, every time he gets something going and actually has a good promo, they kill it off. Like when he was doing the chairman of the board thing. And uh, I can't remember if it was Darby. I can't remember who it was when they walked in that room and, and there was just chairs everywhere. 
I was like, that's a good gimmick. And then they killed it and didn't do anything with him. And he was just Jericho's lackey. So um, every time the guy has a chance to show any kind of personality, they kill it off immediately. And he just looks like a fucking guy and has good matches. So maybe they'll turn it around on us this time. Cause I think there's more to Sean Spears than we've ever been shown. Unfortunately, I've been watching this guy wrestle for like seven years at this point, so I'm going to need to see it pretty quickly or I'm just going to go back to like, he's just a guy. There he is. That guy. All right. So the big things that happened last night on SmackDown to round us out to get out of here. uh, Four main things. Um, First, we had the return of Shinsuke Nakamura. uh, And he beat... um, Oh, I feel bad for not remembering his name. Oh, um, that wrestler that's really buff. That's not Rick Boogs. And his lady was very mad at him for, for the... Uh, oh, the Madcap end. Moss? <laughs> Madcap Moss, there you go. Wow. Well, probably because his name sucks. His name sucks. The gimmick sucks. This addition of a manager trying to turn him to heel sucks. They need to go back into the lab with this. Of course, he got beat by Nakamura. No one in their right mind would put this guy over Nakamura. That'd be dumb. Like I know, I know Emma's his real life girlfriend, but they don't have to be associated. I guess I'll give it a chance because I think, she, like she was an impact. I think she's better as a heel. So Neil Dashwood, whatever Emma, whatever you want to call her. Um, I think she is better as a heel. I don't know if it'll help him out. I honestly think that when Boogs. Oh, actually, he is healthy. I want to put those guys just in like a fucking tag team, two muscle guys. I don't know. That's that's maybe just me. But it's like an insult to Rick Books, though, because Madcap Moss is boring and he has a stupid name. <laughs> yeah, and Boogs is fun. Yeah, I kind of like him with uh, with good old Elias. I hope actually they make like a modern day rhythm and blues. We've said that. Um, or him back so. with Nakamura is fine. Yeah. Hey, uh, dude, I love having Nakamura back. Uh, and like I said, he annihilated Boogs like in less than two minutes, had it been. So. You know, it'd be a weird combo to put together. It's almost like Kane and Brian Danielson would be like Nakamura. And like, if they are going to make, uh, God, why can't I think of his name? Baron Corbin poor again. <laughs> Bad luck Corbin or whatever. Put those two together in a tag team. <laughs> I think that would be pretty fucking hilarious. You know, like, like, because they're so opposite of each other, but they're both really good in the ring. Like, that would be a fun tag team. If we're just going to start throwing random people together, like, do something like that. Hell yeah, I'm down for that completely. We talked about the LA Knight, Xavier Woods thing. I don't know, man. I'm just, I like Xavier Woods. Don't get me wrong. Um, And now he positioned like he's going to go against Gunther when he confronts him backstage. Great. He'll lose for the icy belt against Gunther, but I just feel like they're dropping the ball, like a lot of people feel, like with LA Knight. I feel like he's over his shit. The audience is always, like, you know, doing the yapping, or or they're just with him, man. He's getting a natural, organic over, and that usually means in WWE, if you do that, we're going to make you lose a bunch of times for some reason. And that reminds me of uh, Vince McMahon, honestly. But then again, he's been losing under Triple H's reign too, so who knows? Yeah, but I wonder if the idea off? is is the idea that Big E's going to come back and have a match against Gunther. They're setting that up. 
somehow. Like maybe he's going to kill off so. Xavier Woods. Which I don't know where Big E is at on his recovery, and this could drag out for a couple months. But they also will have King of the Ring, and your defending King of the Ring champion would be Xavier Woods. So maybe that's why they're starting to give him wins on the on the main roster again. So that could be part of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the match you want to see. Wouldn't you want to see Big Men slap Meek Gunter versus Big E if he's coming back soon? That's Hell a good yeah. way to set it up. You know, Gunther and his crew kill kill Xavier Woods in quote. I mean, I actually kill him, but you know what I mean? They injure him. Then, you know, the new day's back together versus Imperium. That spins off Biggie versus Gunther. That's a good storyline because we've uh Dave Meltzer was talking about like, hey, don't look forward to that Brock versus Gunther thing. It's not happening anytime soon. So that would at least give Gunther something to do, him versus Big E. That'd be a pretty high-profile, good match. Maybe Big E's the one that takes the title from him. Who knows? I'm down for that. Um, we also had Damian Priest going against Santos Escobar. I haven't asked you about this. This is Ray's idea, apparently. How did you like him bringing back the LWO and involving Leguero del Fantasma with it? And I find it funny because you haven't seen them on the screen at all, but both Humberto and um, oh man, Angel, Angel Garza, they're, they actually had someone, you know, their uncle, I think it's actually Angel's dad, which is Humberto's uncle, was a member of the original LWO. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I don't know how I feel about <laughs> Selena Vega in a babyface role. I think she's better as a heel, and I don't know. I, I just don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I'm fine if this is what Ray wants to do and everyone is loving it and they're selling these shirts and shit. Great. To the Latino people watching the show. Uh, but I don't know. Just uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I think they think enough years have gone by that people don't realize how terrible the LWO was and how they were just jobbed out to like American people on WCW. So, like, the group in itself was bad. Like, uh, if Ray was going to bring back a group, I wish it would have been, like, the Filthy Animals and then had, like, Conan be a mouthpiece or something, which would have made more sense with Legato del Fantasma. And I, I know that that's harder because Conan is obviously doing AAA stuff. But if you're going to if you were going to bring back a faction like the Filthy Animals had way more success than LWO, LWO in general was not a... Uh, it was more of a joke faction, like Funaki's faction, and yeah, uh, WWE slash WWF. But uh, whatever, man. If people like it, raise there. That helps a lot. And um, I like you. Just want to see Disco Inferno appear on WWE? <laughs> no, it. I don't. No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. Can we get Psychosis with the LWO shirt on though? I'd be down to see that. <laughs> what's what's he up to? Like, uh, yeah, just LWO. I mean, they built that faction to feud with like the West Texas rednecks for the most part. Same thing as the filthy animals. So it's, uh, it's kind of dated and it's also just an NWO parody. Um, I don't know. It's fine. They're selling merch off of it. It doesn't really have any, they're not really, a. they're not even really a faction other than they came out to help him Ray when he's getting jumped for the most part. So I don't really have a, a huge problem with it, but it's also kind of like, that's the one you guys are going to resurrect. Okay. <laughs> uh. 
So well, the merch, uh, though. Oh, you know they are. You know they are. Well, we also had the new tag team champions, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, hit the ring and have a celebration time that gets inevitably interrupted by their next opponents, which is going to be Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. And I don't know. I'm kind of rooting for the heels in this. I don't know. (laughs) Poor Raquel. No offense to Liv either, but, like, Raquel was a badass monster. Like, I feel like she's where Rhea Ripley was when she first came to WWE on the main roster. I hope we see what we saw at the end of her run in NXT because she's just smiling like a motherfucker. That's all she does. Smile and pose her back muscles. Yeah, she's smiling happy. Big. She's Dana Brooke. She got the Dana Brooke disease right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Chelsea Green at least is funny. So I hope <laughs> I hope they do more with that. I don't know. Maybe they'll bring in the major marks. I thought they might do that at Mania since Matt Cardona was there. All right. So the last thing um, we already kind of talked about it. Matt Riddle, Solo Sokoa, good match. It just ended up basically being. Solo winning because of the help of his brothers posed against the tag team champions, Sammy and Kevin Owens helping out Matt Riddle. I don't know if Riddle is working with the other two, like not saying like in cahoots. I'm saying like, I don't know if I'm really digging them being paired together, but it was a good match. Uh, I like them. I like I like both groups like really riling the guys up. Because Matt Riddle, once he gets more intense, he is a badass and he's ex UFC. So like you know, Kevin Owens slapped him a little bit and shit like that, and he was like you know getting him all pumped up. And then you saw the same thing with Paul Heyman doing with the Usos. It gave it a big match feel, but we knew it wasn't going to be that long of a match. So it was fine. It was. I like to see a more long. I mean, seriously, I forgot, Chris. <laughs> That of what fucking happened to Matt Riddle for him to, you know, when they got assaulted and he ended up leaving for his problems and then Randy ended up leaving because he had an injury. Uh, Matt Riddle. Do we, do, we, do we want to talk about Matt Riddle's problems? <laughs> uh, no, we, we've already gone. You can you can listen to the past episodes of the show. Dating porn stars, getting called out by porn stars, uh, drugs, and then dating drug another. tests. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rob Van Dam got fucking kicked out for weed, but whatever. Um, so silly. But uh, th- so the thing is with this. Actually, I forgot where I was going. So I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm I, Matt Riddle. OK, so the thing with Matt Riddle, he's he's obviously you can't have him with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. They can come out and make a save, but we you don't want those two things to tie themselves to one another. I think that's where you were going. Whereas like Matt Riddle just needs to go do something else now that he lost to Solo Sokoa. Like he doesn't need to be tied up in the bloodlines storyline per se. Right? Yes, and also I was saying that I forgot how they took Matt Riddle off air. So I didn't even, I was like, why the fuck's he fighting solo? And you're like, back in December, this happened. You're like, 
All right, well, that's actually a good reason for them to fight, but this should be for a pay-per-view, if anything. Because Matt yeah, Riddle he... destroyed by Solo and then a fucking chair over his head and smashed in the corner to write him off television. That's, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a WWE thing where they should have better explained what happened to him because he he lost the title to Roman. Right? He was in a title match with Roman, right? That was the whole setup to all that shit. But uh, that was a long fucking time ago at this point. <laughs> Maybe a reminder would be nice. But uh, yeah, wait, what do you think they do with Matt, right? Matt Riddle versus like... What what do you do with him? They're not gonna book I, like he got pulled in because of like I guess travel stuff mostly. But like, what are they gonna do with him going forward? Or are they gonna have him feud with Solo Sokoa? I'm not sure. I don't know. Because if I'm Matt Riddle, I'm like taking my scooter elsewhere. I'm not feuding against the. Uh, the bloodline if i don't have to i would i would use my scooter and roll the fuck out of there and out of this show because that's it that was the show hope you guys enjoyed we went over a lot of news and a lot of stuff that's happening if you're watching triple mania tomorrow night enjoy it if you're watching impact rebellion enjoy it we'll talk more about those events next episode hope you guys enjoyed this episode couldn't do the show without the great Christopher Brother Ray Patton, uh, you know, give any plugs or anything that you'd like to and say goodbye to all the lovely people. Goodbye, all the lovely people out there. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton. Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. Same thing on Instagram. Let's go, Devils. Going against the Rangers next week in the playoffs. Fuck the Rangers. Uh, skates the throats. We'll have a new episode up next week recapping all the events that happened in the first round of the playoffs or the first few games of the playoffs, I should say. So look out for that. If you're a hockey fan, everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy ring of honor and or not ring of honor. Uh, enjoy impact in triple mania, I should say. And, uh, and watch some 90210. Then you'll, <laughs> and you'll be able to understand what I'm talking about at the beginning of the show. And maybe some party at five as well. Anyways, you guys have a good one. Whenever you're listening to this, Thank you very much. Uh, we do a show once a week. Usually record it on a Saturday, get it out by the next week for y'all to listen to. And we're on every downloadable platform from iTunes to Stitcher to SoundCloud to Spotify. Just search, even just on Google, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Red Circle Media, any of those platforms have us. We're on everything because we're in high demand. So listen to Wrestling Geeks Alliance every week. Subscribe to whatever platform you're listening from. And thank you guys so much. Peace out, and let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you.